You're listening to These Are The Days. Hello and welcome back to These Are The Days, a podcast from me, Ronnie Costello. Episode number 10, what a story. My thanks to Jonas for enjoying some pints and talking so open and honest about his journey that started 30 years ago in Ethiopia and near ended by a mud patch at Fairmuir Park. Thank you as well for being part of the podcast by listening, subscribing, sharing, commenting and just getting involved. We are at the day's podcast if you aren't already following and you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify and you can stream or download on SoundCloud and check out the website for full details. That's thedayspodcast.com. These are the days. A little bit different for this. I'll now read a statement from Alison McDonald. No, don't adjust your podcast player. You're still listening to These Are The Days. The last 10 episodes have heard stories from some cracking individuals and groups round the table. And my personal favourite, the first ever play of the Confessions Lottery. Each of those episodes have one thing in common. Their host, Ronnie Costello. Well, episode 11 is turning things round. Ronnie's handed over control to me and he's going to find out how it feels to be on the other side. This is episode number 11 of These Are The Days, the man behind the microphone with Ronnie Costello. Follow the podcast on social media. We're at The Days Podcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Welcome to The Man Behind The Microphone. Other working titles, Ronnie are off air. <laughs> Costello uncovered, revealing a renegade. You can edit as appropriate. So we're going on a bit of a journey today throughout your presenting career and how you ended up where you are now. That is hosting podcasts, events and radio shows, not hungover in a flat in Glasgow. So born in Dundee sometime in the 70s, you, uh, you wanted to be a firefighter, but you were colourblind. True. You were always the class clown. You loved drama and you wanted to be an actor then, and I'm quoting this, you realised you couldn't be on TV. I don't know why I would watch it. Um, so you went into radio. Was there one person who inspired you to go into radio? Was there a, was there a, role, a role model? <clears throat> Thanks for that false accusational introduction. Um, I've got so much more. Not, not, in, not in the sense of a... Uh, Big, big, not like Steve Wright, not like any mm-hmm. of the big, big stars. It was because my mum always had the radio on in the kitchen. Yeah. And if it wasn't the radio, which comes back to my music upbringing, it was she played Rod Stewart and the Drifters, which are the two same acts that I mention all the time when it comes to music because they were always playing mm-hmm. in the house. And was um, it local radio playing? Yeah, always. Yeah. It, would, it would have always been local radio. It would be a battered out, mm-hmm. you know, Ghetto Blaster as such and it's still the same now <laughs> that's not even a lie so it would be that that would, that would just be on and I think it's just that fascination yep of just hearing what's going on mm-hmm. and I always loved music and I'd have been I was in my teenage years and my dad knew a guy who worked in um, I think it was sales or something at what would have been Radio Tay. That's yep. how far back we're going. Okay. In the nineties. And said, Oh, come in and see what it's like mm-hmm. or whatever. And I went in and um 
it was just, uh, it was bizarre because I think it, ru- it no, didn't ruin the illusion, but because I expected it to, yeah. I don't know what I expected. In what way was it different? Because it looked like a lot of work. <laughs> because there was no, you're talking, it was probably like CDs, yeah. master cassettes mm-hmm. or whatever. I can't, you know, I wouldn't, I would, but I was quite like, this is, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Did I, you expect it to be more glamorous than it was? I don't know. I, I really don't know what I thought because I just expected someone to just be talking between songs, but not really thinking how you played the songs. Yeah. Or, and, and the illusion is always, and it should always remain, is that the person that is on air is picking all the music, mm-hmm. which is an illusion that gets busted quite a lot. But it's, it's it, you've got to be passionate about it. And I always remember they were. But my mom, because my mom was loving the music, mm-hmm. she couldn't tell you what the guy said love the music so I think it was from that that just made me go well, that's pretty cool and then through the same guy he got he got me not an interview a meeting with people that were high up at the, at the at Radio Tay at the time and I was only 16, 17 maybe mm-hmm. maybe no even I was probably at that crossroads I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do I mean hell I, I only stayed on six years because I was going out with a girl because Why I, does that not surprise me? I know, no romantic really. Um, but yeah, because I, I didn't really, I, I wasn't ready to leave. I wasn't mm-hmm. ready to leave school yeah. because I had no clue what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And that was the easiest thing. So I did that and then took part in the school. Part of mine was an ugly sister. Of course I did. So that was fun. But yeah, so I went to meet this guy or a couple of guys. I, I can't even remember what it was or whatever. But I remember the guy saying, and shattering my dream into a million pieces, saying, yeah, you'll probably never be on radio with your accent. And I was like, okay. And this was in Dundee? This was in, yeah, and I was in fucking, I was broken. But did nobody on that station at that time have a local accent? Yeah, but I think mine was very strong, which it still gets when I've had a few. I've noticed, yeah. It can go. (laughs) So, um you, you just get comfy, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was shit. So, you, so did you come out of that quite discouraged? I was done. I was done. Really? So, yeah, so I come out of that and I, I hated it and I thought, oh, that's pretty shit. So when I was getting to the end of sixth year in the, in the year in 2000, I thought, I really need to fucking do something now. Mm-hmm. So like most people who didn't achieve the hires that they should have, um, you didn't really have much choice. Couldn't go to university, so I had mm-hmm. to go to college. And I thought, well, I can go to college. You know, I could get a qualification. So I applied for, the first thing I applied for was the radio broadcasting course at Dundee College. Mm-hmm. I was told it doesn't run anymore. They're stopping it. Right. So I then applied. But you, so you still applied for that, having been discouraged at this previous yeah, meeting? Yeah, yeah. So what was the, what was your kind of thought process there? I'll show you. Nice. So I applied for it and they weren't they weren't running it. I was like, shit. Right, okay. Fine. And the guy said, Oh, but it runs in Fife. I was like, I'm not gonna Fife. I'm fucking not gonna Fife. Nah. So I didn't. So I then my three choices were um retail management, mm-hmm. sports coaching, and I got two in P I I know. Okay. And um theatre of course it was 
So we've already discussed that you're a drama queen. So I went, I went to the retail management one. I was working in retail at the time and they were like, yep, you'll probably go for the place. Fine. Went to the P interview um, and just went, nah, this is not for me. And then went to the interview for the, the uh, theatre one. Uh-huh. But it turned out you had to sing, dance and act. And I thought it was just the art. I thought it was just acting. Because I'd, I'd done drama for two or three years at school and I loved it. Mm-hmm. I, I just fucking loved it. You know, being, being an ugly sister was like hilarious. And it was brilliant. And it was so against what it should have been. But we yeah. just, me and Bobby, who, uh, who, who were the ugly sister, we just lapped off for three nights. And it was amazing. But everything, I really threw myself on the drama. I joined a theatre group outside of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Secret Theatre, they were called. So I've got a couple of pals there that I speak to now. And that was kind of me. That was that was what I wanted to do. So then I had the choice. So I went and done the retail management. I thought, I'll work in a shop. Right. This will be fine. Mm-hmm. And without going on that course, episode three of this podcast would never have happened with Emma. So, uh, so I, yeah, I went there for a couple of years and it flunked the second year. I had no interest. Absolutely no interest. Why do you think that was? <sighs> Student loan, the bread... Cheap bevy, yellow card, Mardi Gras Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. <laughs> yeah, just didn't really. So I, I didn't get the HND, right? Because I, I didn't get all the modules. I failed two of the modules. Okay. Um, so it was like, damn. So I decided to have a gap year and take a year out. So I took a year out and worked full time uh, in the shop, right? And it was horrendous. Horrible, hated it, hated it. Done night shifts, done refits, done yeah, it was it was shit. So you're into two thousand and finished the course two thousand and two, took you out. Two thousand and three I was looking to go back and then joined Hospital Radio in Dundee. Bridge FM. For something to do. And was like, yeah, this is alright. So for something to do, so it wasn't because you felt like that was your true calling. No, I was still interested, but I didn't know if it was any good. And were you straight on air then? Because I did hospital radio and I spent a lot of time going to hospitals and taking song requests from people. Uh, no, I never, I never have done that because one of the guys needed a, a production assistant. Right. So, so that was you. So I was kind of right place, right time. And he was very keen to just speak to me on air. And I was like, yeah. How do you think United are getting on? How do you think the football's been? Or do you like this, you know, do you like this kind of act? Mm-hmm. Or what other music do you like? And I was like, oh, this is, this is pretty cool. Not learning anything technical, just just being behind a microphone and being relatively comfy. So did that feel natural to you straight away? Yeah, but I mean, I was DJing then. Mm-hmm. I'd been DJing probably about four years. So the actual playing music side of it, it was more... And I've never been... I plan, it doesn't sound like it, but I'll always plan what I'm saying a lot of the yeah. time on air, but sometimes it kind of, I, I've got three bit bullet points, but uh-huh. I end up just swerving them all. But yeah, it doesn't there. always go to plan. Yeah, so I went So I went to Bridge FM, joined there, and it was the same time, uh, it was early 2003, I was then looking to go and study again, because mm-hmm. I thought, I'm not doing retail, I, I cannot do that, this is not... This is not my calling in life. There must be something else. So applied to Glenrothes College, and it was full. So I'd missed the I'd missed the boat to do the radio broadcasting. So I was like, shit. 
After previously saying you would never go to Fife. Yes. Thought, shit, this is, this is not good. Right, what else is there? So I went to Perth College for a year to mm-hmm. do audio engineering. Right. And I thought, keeps my hand in audio and probably learn me some new skills. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's fine. So I went and done that for a year. I didn't fully pass the course because I failed a module that I then done two years later. Right. <laughs> on my own accord, physics. And it was fucking horrific. Physics? Yeah, I had to do a physics module. Oh, so that I, was my worst subject so I had at to school. go to Dundee College on my own for 12 weeks just to get that module, just to prove myself a point is what I'd done. And, uh, not so many, you're stubborn is not what many people know that. Yeah. Um, and then after after that year, uh, they did offer me a place to go in the HNC, but I was like, look, no, I'm going to go to Northus. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'd, I'd nagged them enough to say I'm definitely going, I've got to, I missed out. Yep. So I went and done that from 2004 to 2005, done the HNC, and it was the best thing I ever did. Mm-hmm. It was just a great course. And I wasn't, I still didn't know like if it was a career. I still, really? I still really didn't know. But the beauty of it was, not not as a as like a, a radio presenter, because they were teaching you so many things. Mm-hmm. Like, and from that course, there are, uh, one of the guys, the producer of the BBC down south, you've got um, guys that are doing, you know, are presenting, or they still work maybe in radio, but not on air, they mm-hmm. work in a different role. So I had loads of stuff like that. So I went and done, um, I got really into reporting, the editing, the interviewing. So I was kind of like in for sport. I wanted to do be a sports reporter. That's where I was. That's where I saw myself going. Um, That's so interesting because, you know, we've said that you were always the class clown at school. Mm. We've said that you you loved doing the panto, you loved Mm. making people laugh. Mm. So I kind of assumed that you were always kind of destined to be on air and, and to entertain people. No, that's not how it was looking at that point. I was because you're not you're not shy by any means. You're quite an extroverted person. Yeah, but I wanted to bring people the latest news on sport. So I, um, my work placement was at fourth mm-hmm. in sport with Mark Donaldson, Big Donks, who took me under his wing every Friday for about 12 weeks mm-hmm. it was brilliant it was absolutely brilliant with me and then when we done you had to put together um, you had to put together like a packaged a subject matter you interviewed people you edited and mine was on the it was someone like the fortunes of the Scottish national team uh, the football team and he so comes a very short package uh, I've had that said to me before for a female <laughs> nothing had happened now so I I'd done that and he'd come on and managed mm-hmm. to get some footballers on and whatever and it was it was it, it was yeah, it was good. But again, that was kind of what I still thought I was going to do. And then... And that was your first proper radio job, wasn't it? You went, yeah. You went into... Yeah, so I then went... Um, you were very encouraged to get whatever work experience you could. Mm-hmm. So I had... Uh, probably was email. I was trying to think how back in the day it was. So I, would, I emailed... You're not that old. I know. Uh, 37... Uh, so I, I emailed loads of people and whatever, and I think I I went to uh, I emailed um, Wave Wave One Hundred Two as it was then, and uh, was like, oh, I'm, I'm at Glenrothes, which had a great rep, mm-hmm. had a great reputation, the Glenrothes course. Um, 
as I'm looking to that, I'm Dundee based. I really sports my thing. Um, this is kind of the bits I've done. I've I've done a bit of sports commentary for Bridge. I've got pressers, all this kind of stuff. And uh, Pierre Mark at the time said, uh, "Come and have a chat." And he was like, "Oh, can maybe use it." And they were like, and he was very honest at the start, saying, "There's no any real budget for this." Mm-hmm. But if you want to come in on a Friday afternoon, we'll help you, you help us kind of thing. Yeah. For me, it was just, that's the opportunity I needed. And it's how a lot of people get started. Definitely, without a doubt. With, without a doubt. And then I, I, in the summer of 2005, having that secured, that I was going in as soon as I'd finished, I was going in there on a, I think it was a Friday and a Saturday. Friday, I would go and do the press conferences for the managers. Mm-hmm. I'd come back and edit. Um, it would go out as part of the package that we had at, I think it was six o'clock was the main news sport business thing. And then on the Saturday, I would go to a game and then just interview and then leave the cuts for the audio for whoever was in the Sunday and the Monday type mm-hmm. thing. And I'd done that for, for, a, for a few months and that was that was kind of me in and it was it was awesome. I loved it. I loved it. But there was, yeah, there was no money in it, but it was, it was uh, class. So was it the money side that made you move into presenting or how did that come about? Yeah, my, money was never... It was never a factor for me. So when, so when did that change come then? I don't think it's ever come. Uh, I was I was sitting in the the old building at Wave, mm-hmm. as you know very well. I do. Um, so I was looking into the studio all the time. Yep. And as weeks and months went on, I was like, I can I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. I I can do that. I know I can. And I would say, like, is there any anything happening? And I was keen, but I was probably overly keen. So every day okay. I'd be saying, what's the chance? Is anything happening? Yeah. And what, what was brilliant about Wave back then, was absolutely brilliant about them, is they would get people in, new people in, mm-hmm. and give them a real training ground. And they were very honest saying, there's no money in this, but, you know, we'll help you, mm-hmm. you're helping us. So you would maybe, like, do overnights or voice track or pre-record and... But it, you got in, you were learning to be in and out of songs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it was were, great experience. Yeah, and it was overnight. You know, it was midnight to like four in the morning, I think I was on, something like that, recorded. And um, it was kind of getting a, a feel for it. And it was really, it was good. But months went by, months, m- absolute months. And then I, I think I'd been battering at them again, going, anything happening, anything happening. And we were doing the Christmas light switch on in the November of 2005, and on the week leading up to it, he said, uh, Peter Mark said, um, Sunday night, 7 to 10 at night, you want it? Mm-hmm. You want to do do the show? I was like, yeah, just, you know, tell me how many links I have to do an hour and whatever. He's like, no, no, live. I was like, hi, no bother. I'm in. So, so that sun- was your first live show? The first live show. So the Sunday come round, um, the, the, the Sunday show come round, uh, we were doing the Christmas light switch on, so mm-hmm. I was out getting Vox Pops and like, oh, give us some, you know, what do you think of the celebrations? But oh yeah, thanks very much. Uh, and when, and we got into, I think we got into Wave about six o'clock or something. So it was myself, Peter and Dave were there. And I think everyone was tucking in like pizzas or kebabs or some other healthy thing. But I was very cautious. Time was moving yeah. very quickly. So by this point, it's maybe half six. And next thing it's 20 to 7. So at quarter to 7, I took myself into the studio. Mm-hmm. Like I had anything to get ready for. It was like 7 o'clock. But were you psyching yourself up? 
I uh, no, I was shitting myself. Really, is what was happening. And I, I in my head, I had planned out. I don't think there was a weather or anything. You just, um, I think you just basically had to press the button mm-hmm. to come out the news. Maybe said, maybe maybe you had a tiny link at the top of the hour. And when it came to do the first link, I have never put a mic fader up so slow in my life. But like twenty seconds before, it needs to be. Oh yeah up mm-hmm. and just like I remember my heart beating I remember just like oh, this is it and I'm pretty sure it was maybe like 10 words or something so then I had three songs yeah to prep myself for my first fucking real fucking dive in mm-hmm. and I mean just sitting there shite myself going I'm not sure I could do this because everything was just happening yeah it was getting it was really fucking and you can't stop it you have to do it yeah yeah and I, I went like to I went to the toilet and just sat contemplated life for five minutes just like go and do it go and do it and come through and and David said just be you just be you and I was like but that's what I'm worrying about <laughs> that's what I'm worrying about people just like just just do what you need to do uh, I went in and I said to myself I'm not going to leave the studio again mm-hmm. I don't want to go through I don't want to see them um, and in a flash the show was finished but they'd left during that I didn't even know yeah. they'd just left and went their own way which was probably better for me. Then I had to lock up and didn't have any keys, so somebody had to come back. But and that that was that was kind of it. But and how did you feel when you came off air after that first live show? How did you feel? Well, I should have been buzzing. Yeah, but I wasn't really not because I was like, I'm not going through that again because how I felt. Uh-huh. What what was happening on air was okay, but I just didn't feel right. It I felt was- horrible because I think I was just overcoming with all the emotion. Mm-hmm. It was just really it was tough really tough I was like nah I'm surprised at that because you seem so natural mm. and such I was a, 23 then but you but you, you seem like such a natural entertainer mm. and very relaxed and mm. very kind of jovial is not the right word but you've got that kind of great energy about yeah. you and that was it was it was horrendous and I went back and I done I kept doing the sports stuff right the way through into the end of that year so we got into, we must have gone into uh, December and he asked, do I want to do, because I was still doing the overnight mm-hmm. recorded stuff. And he said, do you want to do, um, do you want to do the Christmas schedule, festive schedule? And I was like, yeah, yeah, all right, okay. Because the Christmas schedule was always one of them that if you were on at weekends or cover, you were always going to get a couple of gigs because yeah. everyone was off mm-hmm. and you really wanted to sort of be in there. And the schedule come out. And I remember reading it from like the 20, and I've still got the email. I've still got the schedule because it was the first time I saw my, I saw my name on it. So yeah. I've still got it. And, um, and I looked at it yesterday actually. And it was like, it started say on the 26th, say Friday the 22nd of December. Mm-hmm. So schedule as usual, Saturday, same, Sunday, same. So it got to maybe the 24th. So Christmas Eve, no, I'm still not on it. Christmas day, no, I'm not on it. And I've said I can work Christmas day and you are work any day. Boxing Day, I'm not on it. 27th, I'm not on it. 28th, I'm not on it. 29th, I'm not on it. 30th, I'm not on it. I'm like, come on. 31st, I'm not on it. 1st of January, I'm on it. 12 to 4, I thought, I'm in. You know, Great. that's... For me, I've worked... What is this? 2019. So the past eight, 19 Hugmanays, I've worked 17 of them. You know, so... DJing. Yeah, yeah. so working Hugmanay does there's nothing to me. So I was on the first and I was then on the second and then I was on drive the third, the fourth and the fifth. So it was on five days 
And uh, the New Year's Day was really weird because nothing was happening. Yeah. There's nothing happening on the roads. There's nothing happening on the news. Mm-hmm. There's just nothing. So you're like, oh, well wishes, all this. And I was putting people on air that wasn't meant to, but I just put them on live and you record that as, as, you know, in case people say fuck or bugger. Yeah, yeah. But I was just like, just put them on, mm-hmm. you know. And then after I'd done the, the, the three sort of drive shows, I felt quite relaxed. Mm-hmm. I was quite chilled out. I was quite fine. But I never really... Never thought much of it, but it took ages for the next step to happen because there was no opportunity. There was nothing. Yeah. There was no an opening. There was opportunities, but mm. there was no openings. So, so, how, so how long are we talking until you were back? I think it took from there. It probably took. Um, I went on the evening show for a bit, but I think that might have been recorded back then. Right, and it was probably. It wasn't until the June. To an opportunity arose to cover drive because mm-hmm. a change of presenter or some, yeah. something I don't know what it was so I kind of picked that up but I was um, that was 2006 June 2006 mm-hmm. and I was still covering this show right. in about October or November and yeah. I was like come on someone's yeah. someone's got to give here mm-hmm. what's happening and then I just um, basically the, yeah then I got it permanently and that right. was I never looked back. And was was it, so was that like the dream? You had a, you had a full time. That was amazing. Show effectively. That was amazing. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't sell for life, money wise. That's no. for sure. But in terms of life, I was, I was enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I was, I was self employed anyway for a, for a long time. Um, so for me, it was yeah, I was there three to seven. I was on the Saturday. The Saturday show I would have got before Drive. I got the Saturday show. Yeah. So eleven to two. Because there's kind of a hierarchy of shows. In radio, yeah, yeah, and drive is and drive. drive is the second biggest. So, but yeah, my my eleven to two show on a Saturday was the best show. I fucking loved it, absolutely loved it. Went so against the grain. Was putting interviews on with bands that I was never meant to put on. Was is that is that why you is that why you preferred it because you had more control over what you did? Mm, yeah, but I wasn't told I had that control. I just took that you control. Just okay. I just did it. Yeah, just did it because I knew that. The P the program uh, controller wasn't listening because yeah. he wasn't in Dundee, so I just yeah. did it anyway. I got caught a few times and we slapped the wrist, but that was when they were owned by UTV, mm-hmm. so it was very much by the book. Whereas I was like, man, because at the time the the music scene in Dundee was phenomenal, yeah, absolutely phenomenal. So I was kind of just getting my pals that I knew, and it was all good, and they all sounded really good. Um, but then Drive was June two thousand six for eighteen months of just just a great time you know it's brilliant i loved every single bit of it mm-hmm. loved it so what it. what happened at the end of that 18 months um on one hand i got too big for my boots uh on the second hand i thought i deserved more okay um is that not the same as getting too big for your boots no 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 because i think i was i was probably turning slightly arrogant as well though and slightly no I was always cocky but mm. I was I think I was probably I was getting too ahead of my station in, in what kind of way like what were you doing I was just fucking sauntering in at half two and my, but my show my show stood up mm-hmm. the, what happened for four hours stood up yeah the, the, the results were there the, mm. everything that was in it was there I was professional when I was on but mm-hmm. outside it I was I was getting a bit of a a bit of an arse because right. the, the 2007 was a interesting year. So you've described, yeah, you've described that before as the lost year. As the lost year. So we, we'll maybe come back to that. 
What um so what happened? Were you told at the end of that eighteen months this is what's that conversation like? Um uh, money's never been an issue for me. Money was never I was never I never thought I'd be a millionaire by working on, on the radio. But I I just thought we deserve to be paid more. And when I got offered a three percent increase and it was equivalent to one pound five pence, which if people can work that out you know, when you're working and at this time I was working seven days a week because by this point I took on Sunday breakfast for extra money. So And you're paid per show, right? Yeah. Yeah, no contracts, mm-hmm. but they they are in now in the industry. But so for me, I went. I worked a whole month. I didn't make four figures. That's it's mental, isn't it? Yeah, and I think I think people always assume that working in radio, you get paid loads, and yeah. Because my mum used to. So obviously, we know each other mm. from working together in radio, and I was always in news. And my mum used to take genuine delight in telling people that I was paid really badly because uh-huh. <laughs> everyone thought uh-huh. it's amazing. I mean, I, the, the way I always sort of, not the caveat on it or anything, but, or, or even defending them, but I was like, I do only work four hours a day. You know, I was only in, at that time, I was, I mean, mm. I was coming in, I was in four and a half hours. But were, so, you, you so, were, do, were you not doing, you were doing prep beforehand, no? I mean, yeah. It was kind of my life though. Okay. And it, there was times where it was really strict with UTV. Mm-hmm. It was like, I know, Right now, not to kill any illusions, but there's always there's limits on how long you could speak for in certain bits. Yeah. But in there, it was pretty much here's your links, here's what you're going to speak about because of sponsorship yeah. and all yeah. this. So for me, I maybe only had to come up with one thing an hour to yeah, say. Okay. So maybe at times, and you were a wee bit like a robot, but that's where the boundaries, and I love pushing the boundaries, mm-hmm. and I always push them. But I always thought I always seen it as I, I'm working. Um, I'm on four hours, so when you worked out, my hourly rate was pretty good. Yeah, okay. It was when I was getting pulled in at 11 o'clock in the morning, mm. and then at seven, I was like, wait a minute here. Do you not so, feel these work? Yeah, so, but you're not getting, only getting paid for your yeah. four hours. That's, I think, is the, mm-hmm. that's the bit that maybe even stations didn't really, maybe took the piss a little bit. But the money, yeah, the money was never a, it, it's never been, it's never been, I, apart from that one time when mm-hmm. I was like, come on here. Because the numbers were good. Yeah. You know, the show was good. It was going places. We were doing loads of cool stuff. You kind of thought, I need, you know, but I, I also wanted to earn more there so I didn't have to work as many nights. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to get that. Yeah, of course. You know, and then, yeah, when you're getting, when you have conversations you don't want to have, when mm-hmm. things happen that shouldn't happen and things are said that you aren't said and then you're effectively told it's, that's it, it's the end of the line. Um, you can't do this, you can't do that. You've, we've not been able to work on it. You've no, you know, you've not took the responsibility for stuff mm-hmm. that's happened and been said. And then the biggest pisser for me was not getting the chance to even just go next door and, and say to people, I'm going. I was effectively marched off the premises, which wow. was really, really fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Like, and that was, that was a four days before Christmas. So through <sighs> the festive scheduling, because I was due to do breakfast for two weeks. Yep. But again, on the same money, like that alarm going off a quarter to five every morning, it's not nice. It's horrible. So I, yeah, at the end of 2007, I uh, I went and it was, 
fucking horrendous. And I had to walk, I walked up the road to the flat that I was living in, couldn't drive because I was dragged in first thing in the morning. I was fucking too pissed the night before. And it was it was it was horrendous. It was just fucking horrendous. But I just done what I normally do. I, I was going to be DJing a lot anyway, so I didn't mm. really think about it. It's when I got to about January and I went, what the fuck's going on here? And did you learn from that? Did you take on board the comments that had been made? Did you think, okay, maybe I need to change how I act about certain things or how I think about certain things? Uh, yeah, yeah, because I should have just the first thing I should. Have, I was too too proud or scared, but I was like. I'm not apologising for anything. Mm-hmm. But the first thing I should have did was, yeah, okay, I did that. Yeah. Sorry. I still think it was an overreaction. I, th- I think it played out really aggressively. Mm-hmm. What they should have done and what had done, had probably happened in the past, is people would get a wee slap on the wrists. Yeah. You know, maybe even take you off air for a week. Mm-hmm. To show you. Yeah, fine. Because at the end of the day, it was affecting your pocket. Yeah. So... That's a big enough punishment, I would have thought, but mm-hmm. it didn't play out like that. And it was a it was a real horrible month dealing with, you know, getting out all the stuff that I'd either produced or made or getting all that stuff back. And it's still in my email now. And I, I look back at some of it, and some of it's really funny. There's some really good clips mm-hmm. of um, bits of audio that I'd done. And I look back, but I still look back now and go, fucking, that's 12 years ago. Yeah. And that was on air 12 years ago. And I always say, what would I do now differently? And a lot of it, I go, I actually think it's all right. Mm-hmm. I would just maybe change how I said this. I would maybe move yeah. around. I'm a bit more critical. But I fucking loved that job, man. I fucking loved that. It was so good. A wee bit of creativeness. They, maybe on, I was maybe on a bit of a lead that no one else got. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, I'd just have people on. I would just fucking let them come on live. Didn't even care. You know, I'll take the brunt if somebody swears. I don't mind. You know, it was yeah. a wee bit like that. And I loved it. It was the best. It was the fucking best thing I ever did and when it ended and it wasn't until the January mm-hmm. when I really realised fuck yeah really and what, how did that impact on the rest of your life like did, was your confidence knocked were you confidence wasn't knocked my wallet took the hit because I was I wasn't working so I was DJing maybe three or four nights but I was de- doing that anyway mm-hmm. but I'd lost half my income so I had to, that's, and it didn't really kick in probably for a couple of months, but I was like, shit, like. So did you go and get a proper job? Uh, yes, but it took a little while. So I, 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 I wasn't working, I was only DJing. Um, my partner at the time was studying in Aberdeen and only really working at the weekend. Right. So we, and I've told this story loads of times and I've, I've, we've reminded each other of it, of how far it's been. So back then you're talking maybe 10, uh, 10, 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. And there was at times we couldn't, we couldn't afford to put the heating on, Yeah, you know, so we, we would lie in bed with a duvet each, hoodies on, oh. horrific, you know, having, yeah. you know, and, and dinner at night would be, you know, the cheapest tomato soup with some pasta in it or, uh, or, or or the taste sensation I found by the way mashed potatoes with tomato soup try it out it's good loads of pepper it's awesome okay. but that that was what we were like mm-hmm. it was fucking horrendous fucking horrendous you know I was taking gigs in Kirkcaldy any place that was paying yeah. I was going to do these gigs but it was it was horrible and it took I went to a couple of interviews for jobs but my heart wasn't in it mm-hmm. so I, interviews weren't great because yeah. I just 
you know, and then people go, oh, what happened to last job? I'm like, oh, you know, I wanted to, to steady income. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm self-employed anymore. And then I landed a, um, I landed a, tw- a job um, with three mobile phones. And it was like temporary. It was like 12 weeks mm-hmm. probation. And I thought, you know what, let's, uh, they offered me it. Yeah. Don't know why. Had a bit of experience in retail before. Obviously, because of the type of job, you're mm-hmm. chatting to people, maybe thought you could do that. You've obviously got like the gift of the gab, haven't you? So, <laughs> so went and done the job and um, you didn't mind it. I actually thought, this is all right, this. Mm-hmm. This is no bad. You know, sound phones. Um, three at the time were a wee bit behind, like O2 and Vodafone, so maybe didn't have the total latest phones. But yep. I was like, this is all right. And it was commission at the time as well. And I'd be like, oh, by the way, this... Um, this phone we've got, if you mm-hmm. sell it, you get a tenner every time you sell it. I was just punting loads of them out. Yeah, it's like, yes, it's class. Um, and then I got a phone call out of the blue when I was going into a Palonatini concert in Edinburgh. Right. Asking if I'd be interested in have a conversation about going back to Wave. And I was like, this is a wind up. Um, and what, so at the start of that conversation, what goes through your mind? Are you thinking, fuck you? Or are you thinking, I'm, right, I'm, I'm prepared to eat some humble pie here? I, I think generally I was probably like, man, this gig's a way to start, like, and she was raging probably. And I mind saying, uh, yeah, well, let's, let's talk about it. Probably mm-hmm. said something like that. And I would have said to Ash at the time going, well, this phone call for going there. What do you yeah. think? And she, I'm pretty sure she probably had reservations and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. But And had, was, they, had they said to you at that point that it was the breakfast show? No, nothing. Hadn't said anything. It was just a chat. Right. Um, so went and there's a you know, there might be some opportunities there's been loads of changes but it was going to be like weeks away and I was like that's cool I says look mm-hmm. I'm working at the minute there was nothing concrete and then um, I, I don't I don't remember where it come about but there was a change to the station so I was like oh it's, well, that's the people I'd normally used to hear mm-hmm. so they'd obviously made a couple of changes and then I um, was offered a offered if I'd like to come back and do the breakfast show for 12 months and I was like okay yes right I'll do it the the breakfast show is the is the dream show in radio it's the one show that everyone wants yeah but I made my I made my decision before I asked the questions and that's the problem I didn't ask the right questions I didn't ask but did you make that decision because it's breakfast because it's the show yeah I just made the decision I didn't think about it and that's looking back that's I would have done that differently I would have asked the questions probably because what kind of questions what do you expect where do you expect us to be in 12 months what how what's the listeners now what Mm. you what do you want it to be you know where what rage are we aiming to see a difference where are we you know how's the format how much support am I going to get Stuff like that. Am I going to get the best newsreader in all the land? Uh, well, I, I had it before it, when I was on drive, but, you know, that didn't end. But anyway. So, yeah, so I, I just fucking dived in. I was like, I'll just take it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Is that something you tend to do? Or are you quite headstrong? Yeah, uh, I used to be. I used to just agree to things. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, just not even think about it. Just, yeah, no bother, no bother. I'm a wee bit like that with some stuff for, like, right now, if if Stacey Help for Kids needs something, I'll, I'll always help. I'll yeah. always help. 
but I at least now check my schedule before saying I can do that. Yep. Because I never used to. It's so like I can do that. And the amount of times I'd go home and say, oh, I'm doing this. And I should be like, oh, but we're meant to be going. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, just because I would just agree. Yeah. Um, and we knew, I knew it needed work. I just wish I knew how much work it needed because mm-hmm. it, like, it was never going to be a, a, a quick fix. So um, was it was it not what you expected it to be? No, nothing like it. How? Because it was a million miles away from where it should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're changing the, changing the presenter, changing the whole show, naming it, branding it, trying to get really interactive mm-hmm. with people because... There's two ways to do a breakfast show. You have to entertain, but you also have to inform. Yeah. And probably for a little while, the wave was very much informing. But it was, by the way, mate, if you go down the Kingsway right now, you're not going to make your work. Uh-huh. You know, you need to be going this route. or And that's what local radio should be. Yeah. But there was, they, were, they wanted a real creative side as well. Mm-hmm. But again, you're on your own. Yeah. I've said it so many times that it was the, it was the hardest thing to do on your own. And that's quite rare for a breakfast show. Usually there's a team. Yeah. And it's usually, you know, you're talking like maybe four or five people in some of the, in some of the big, you know, big breakfast shows. You should have at least two. At least two Mm -hmm. of you. And that's, but that, and that was the problem. That wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So I had to get creative. And I mean, you know, our news was handled, you know, remotely. So you couldn't see them at the face, mm-hmm. but you knew they would always be on board with you. Yeah. So you get that, and then I would take the... Because at the start, the news was pre-recorded and emailed to you, yeah. so you didn't have any interaction with someone there. Didn't even see anyone until about half past eight. <laughs> it was great. I loved that. But then... But that's a, that is a strange way to work, though. Like, it's, it's very isolated. It was mental. It was mad. Absolutely mad. And I was in a, you know, that padded wall box, mm-hmm. eight by eight, no big place. Like come on, you know, mm-hmm. it's hundred quid off a grabs here, Sunday phone, you know. And so it was weird, it was strange, it was horrible, it was tough. Did you ever think that it was a mistake? Yes, within the first month. And why did you persevere? Um, stubbornness, knew it was good enough, mm-hmm. but quickly realised, I need some help or I'm not doing anything. And, I didn't mind taking the slap on the wrists for, mm-hmm. you know, breaking very big protocol of fucking speak to the news presenter on air. Nah, I'm, I'm probably going to speak to the news presenter on air every day. Um, you know, and just you're diving in and but just trying to make it more creative. And they mm-hmm. were always the bits that were the best bits. And when yeah. you speak to people, they go, oh, it's really good when this happens. But that's the way it should be. So it was, it was tough. It was real, real tough. It was a, it was a great year, but it was a tough, mm-hmm. it was a tough gig like... Everything was tough about it. What was your biggest, like, pinch me moment? Um, during that stint, the Christmas light switch on when I got to turn the lights on with Gary Mullen for Queen with 18,000 people. In the that's pretty square. cool. That's the, that's the best moment. Mm. That's, nothing will top that. Nothing will top that. There was loads of great stuff on air. Loads. But that's the one moment. Just looking out. Mm-hmm you know just introduce Santa Claus on and Freddie Mercury like, likes Boyfish Stars in Their Eyes who's amazing they are amazing yeah, they're yeah. brilliant you know was there and that was a real just mm-hmm. stand on that stage I've got a photo of that actually and it's I look I'm pretty sure it's me Gary Mullen and Santa and it's like this is this is a dream lineup. it's mad mad that, that's the 
that's the one moment I was like, fuck, mm. that was that was special. And were you the type of person who would use your kind of status, as it were, to get stuff? Like, are you a blagger? Would you... Uh, to make a show better, yeah. No, but if it, if it was just something you wanted to do, like if you wanted to, I don't know, get tickets for something or get into something, no. have you ever pulled the... Have you ever said the words, do you know who I am? No. Because, no, because they don't... I would... Uh, if I was maybe interviewing someone, mm-hmm. I would maybe be a little bit cheeky and say, you know, is it a spare pair of tickets going on? Yeah. But I'd like to come with a gig or... I think everyone's done that though on radio. Everyone's done that on radio. What's the best thing that you've blagged? Uh, <laughs> um, gig tickets were always good. Mm-hmm. Gig tickets were good. So through that I saw Travis, Franz Ferdinand, Brian Adams, all at the Kiert Hall. Yeah. Like all local McFly. Which is such a great venue for a big band. Uh, it has its moments. It has its moments. You can't, you know, you can't be an intimate gig. Yeah. Yeah, no, so so they, they would be the main ones, you know, getting to see, uh, getting to interview people like that and then mm-hmm. getting to see them. And it was a wee bit cheeky now and again. I mean, if they, you, you just ask and if they're like, eh, no bother, like, oh, tidy. And I got to interview really good bands, you know, I interviewed McFly, uh, gave them a Dundonian dialect book that they then took on stage and read from and it's on YouTube and then reading from it. Um, the that fo- must be quite cool to know that you did that. That's awesome. It's so it's just daft, but I mean, again, the, the image is green. It's about ten year old, but um, you should see the pink shirt I'm wearing. It's, a, it's really? yeah, yeah, it's horrendous. Wow. Yeah, I I found the, I had the photo because I, I was sending the photo to. I meant to say um, Rachel, I work with Wave now. As a massive McFly fan, I found right. the photo yesterday I sent to her and I forgot to send that actually because she's obviously getting excited with them coming back. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Who, who was the best person that you interviewed in terms of like being a fan of them? Uh, Kelly Jones was pretty special. That was pretty cool. Um, and very attractive. Yeah, and, and when people saw the two of us chatting, I mean, come on. I thought you were brothers. I mean, it was uh, your least favourite word was probably happening quite a lot. Um, we, we won't use that. <laughs> so, yeah, that that was pretty cool. The guys from Travis were pretty cool. It wasn't mm-hmm. Fran Healy I got. I got two of the others, but they were brilliant. Uh, Dougie, the, Neil. Dougie was there. Neil was definitely there. Uh, who else did we interview? Roy Chubby Brown was good, because then we gave tickets away mm-hmm. and you to win the tickets you had to guess how many times we had to use the bleep machine <laughs> so that was that was great fun nice and to be fair to him he in the interview and he was one of the nicest people I ever interviewed and I'd said to him uh, I said oh we were going to cut I says, but it's, it's sold out I said I'm leaving on the blag here I mm-hmm. said I've got two tickets is there any chance we can come and even grab a photo or whatever because I always quite liked that yeah like a wee bit now Back in the day, I always wanted the, a signature. Signatures, I'm, I'm a big thing on signatures, mm-hmm. but my mate Paul said that the, the selfie is the biggest thing now. Oh, by a mile. But when I, if I got offered a limited edition designed vinyl or a signed vinyl, I always take a signed vinyl, mm-hmm. regardless how limited the other one is. Right. But photos never, and maybe never took enough, and I've always said that. But when I was interviewing people, I always wanted to get the photo because it was mm-hmm. quite a cool thing. 
so I said to him, you know, is there any chance? He says, oh, you need a couple more tickets. And I was like, uh, well, if you want to. We ended up, four of us went and he met us after that and we got photos. And Amazing. One of the guys was trying to take the photo but couldn't get his camera to work and he was taking the, he was taking the piss out of him the whole time. He says, see you next time you steal a camera, steal the fucking instructions. And <laughs> you know, howling. And I've still got those photos that are really yeah. cool because it just brings you back to that. So there was him... Um, yeah, loads. The guys for the view were always on because it was, you know, they and they were just yeah. rascals as they are now. Um, a lot of comedians, Ross Noble, mm-hmm. uh, Craig Hill, um, they were all good value. But there was that many. I'd probably done that many, but those those were quite big, mm-hmm. you know. The and did you think of yourself as lucky when you're getting to do that? Totally, totally. I never took anything for granted. Absolutely nothing. But I. But I also felt as well, I was actually quite good at doing interviews. Mm-hmm. I always thought I was quite good. I still think I'm quite good now. But I think because, you know, to talk, I'm not great at getting interviewed, as you're currently finding out. Um, but asking questions and mm-hmm. always like, I'm always, I was always clever for people, people plan too much for an interview, right? Yep. And I'll give yep. you an example without naming someone, right? Because uh, it's an industry we can't really, we're mm-hmm. kind of naming shame, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a very small industry, is what you mean by that? Yes, everyone um, knows everyone, and I won't actually even tell you the act, but okay. uh, because it could be really whittled down. So this person that said, "Oh, I'm interviewing so and so, so and so," what would you ask them? I said, "No," I says, "Well, you know what? Give me," I says, "Give me, give me an hour." I says, "I'll think about it." So quickly, I was like, "Oh, you know what? I'd ask them about." Um, a, B, and C. So they're really they're, they're three things mm-hmm. that are two of them are really relevant. One of them's a bit more funny, you know, maybe breaks the mold or whatever. It might be a question that maybe no expecting. And they're like, oh no, I really want to ask them about something that I've saw on their website or their f- social media or something. I was like, I said, it's radio. Remember, mm-hmm. we kind of see that. Yeah. Like, it's got to be come. You know, I see this photo of you. Tell us about it. it. Doesn't do nothing. No. So I was like, no, no. I said, you need to go down this route and I'll do you mm-hmm. I said like, I've only got five minutes so I really want to make it I said well there I've given you three questions throw in another one yeah and you've got four you'll get that'll get you and mm-hmm. if, you, if you're cheeky with the fourth and they like it they'll give you that fourth question yeah. regardless of time so took none of the advice done the interview and it was fucking horrendous fucking horrendous so I in, heard, in what way it was just terrible the questions were terrible okay. because it was so prepped and there was one answer that was given and it was fucking gold mm-hmm. if you did if you'd have thought and you'd just wrote down, you'd have got another question. Yeah. Like they said, oh, I was doing this, but X, Y, and Z happened. Poof, that was me. Mm-hmm. I'd have been like, fucking find out about that. Yeah. So I listened to the edit and the unedit. So the edit was three minutes. The mm-hmm. unedit was the five. And either way, it was like, come on. Yeah. They've gold. They've given you three nuggets. Mm-hmm. But, people but something don't. that I've seen happen... And it's when people, like you've said, they've over-prepared mm. and they don't actually listen to the answers. No. They're so focused on their questions yeah, and what they're going to ask exactly. next that they completely miss an opportunity to like yeah. riff on something, yeah. which is when you get the best yeah. content. And that's always been the way I was. You know, you always you always have to start with an icy-nicy, oh, of course, yeah. Get tonight the care at all, what can we expect? Any surprises? And then it might be, oh... You know, bloody blah, blah, we've not done this song for ages and that. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, why do you not throw it in? That'd be a nice wee surprise. Or you always have to get that. But when people do, you have to be prepared, don't get me wrong. But yeah. your questions can go out. But you've got to actually listen to the answers got as well. Got to, because it's, it's gold. And that's kind of, I was I was never taught interview techniques. I was never, mm-hmm. you know, I was taught, 
how to hold a microphone, where to put it, how to press record and check your levels. I was never yeah. told how to ask a question. I think you... I also think as well when... One thing I did learn is that when you have a guest on or someone's on your show, mm-hmm. regardless if it's now in podcasting or um, in radio, the introduction you give them should tell them who they are, mm-hmm. what they do, why they're doing it, and when they're doing it. Yeah. So... You've gave them that respect from the very, very start. It's not, oh, I'm going to speak to, I'm going to speak to Craig David and, uh, all right, Craig, bloody blah, blah. You should have been yeah. speaking to Craig David. He's obviously going to be the Hydro next week. Mm-hmm. It's sold out. There might be a, a bunch of tickets getting given away next week. Yeah. You know, well, you, ha- you have to explain why you're speaking to them. Yeah. Why is it relevant yeah. for somebody to listen yeah. to this and now? That, and it's the same reason I give everyone that comes on here. It's the same mm-hmm. kind of respect of, that's what it is, you know, because again, people might, it's the same with an interview on air, people might make their mind up very quickly, I'm not going to listen to that, mm-hmm. but they know who they are, they know what it is, so for me it was always prep, 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 and always be clever, I love an interview, it's the best thing, love it, especially that, I mean, on this, mm-hmm. part, I don't take many notes, yeah. I take bullet points, uh, Connor that was on, and the author, uh, obviously knew about the book knew that knew he'd done the book mm-hmm. knew very little about the book yeah I says tell me about it tell me about the book tell mm-hmm. me why you've done it then tell me you know what's the challenges so Connor he probably and he won't probably mind me saying this that Connor starts very very bashful very hiya hello and really up for it but we take the facade down when I start saying to him, what was mm-hmm. the challenges you know what was it like to get that knock back it just opens it because he's not, he's expecting me to just go, fucking hell, you, you published author, they're brilliant, yes. Yeah. No, I want, we want to know, mm-hmm. hey, how fucking hard was that? How many rewrites is it? How how tough has it been? What's yeah. it like getting that rejection letter? You know, you're trying to open it up. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all about prep's always key, especially in interviews, and there's a real technique to it. And I haven't, you know, I haven't done much lately in terms of on, on air mm-hmm. interviews, but I know it could, you know, could get an interview of anyone. I think you know yeah. when I went done the hospital radio stuff again quite heavily probably in the last six or seven years I started getting a lot of guests on mm-hmm. you know we'd have comedians on we had uh, in, uh, who else did we have on who done John Parr who done St Elmo's Fire right we were 20 minutes out of him on the back of his song being part of a video game that's why we were interviewing him but just daft things. You're yeah. speaking about why you picked the guitar up. What's mm-hmm. this? What's, you know, if you go to karaoke, what would you sing? And do you hate when you go in and somebody spots you and puts your song on? Just daft thing. Yeah. Spoke to uh, Lindsay for Bewitched as well. <sighs> Man, she was, she was, she was the one back in the day, like, that double denim done it, like, I rocked it. But she was brilliant. We got like yeah. half an hour. Half you an like hour. Lindsay? Yeah, she was, yeah, she's fine. She was fine. But that was, and again, but it was a good interview. Yeah. And that was a phone interview, so it's, it's a lot looking harder. It's harder when you can't see the person, isn't it? <sighs> you know? It's really, it, I think it's really different when you can't see the person because you don't get those kind of cues from them yeah. that you get sitting opposite someone. And I was just sitting in my pants, just like I am now. Moving on. <laughs> so, okay, so you're on breakfast for what, a year? Uh, about nine, ten months. Nine, ten months. And then you came off again? Yes. So... Talk me through, what is that like when you're then told someone else is coming in to do your show, the biggest show? Uh, it's tough, but wasn't unexpected because okay. I I was I was done. Mm-hmm. I was done. 
you know there was too many too many obstacles to go across you know to, to try and make it mm-hmm. be viable be a really good product and there was conversations happening of moving swapping around and I was going back to drive which right. is where it was it's where I was at my best mm-hmm. but it didn't happen and then the conversation was had and it was kind of more a relief than anything else the relief probably on the basis that there was going to be other stuff for me to do yeah so I was quite happy with that mm-hmm. you know um and I know immediately there wasn't any opens but I actually thought my plan probably was to go and do weekend breakfast mm-hmm. I think that was it because at the time that was like eight to twelve so yeah. I could still work at night and I thought that would be all right mm-hmm. weekend breakfast would be pretty tidy it'd be pretty good but to be fair guy that was on it was was solid like you know you wouldn't have won him getting you wouldn't want him getting yeah. bent for me to, you know it's harsh mm-hmm. but no it was it was probably something that had to happen i was kind of done mm-hmm. we'd done a lot of fun things on air you know we'd you know we'd had um the pancake place come in one morning and made us loads of pancakes and we we're eating chicken curry pancakes at 7 a.m and you know i must have ate about 40 pancakes that day it's good, wasn't it? Uh, um, you, you, you know the best was World Apple so, Pie Day, right? Yeah, no, but World Apple Pie Day was a real day. No, so. it wa- no, it wasn't. It was National Apple Pie Day in America. It's still and a we, day. And, and we declared it World Apple Pie Day. Yeah, and so then I phoned Clark's the baker, the infamous Clark is the baker. Absolute legends in Dundee. And got Alan E. Clark Jr. on the phone, the main man, who said quite happily, yeah, I'll send you a couple of apple pies. And I think you li- you literally said to him, we have declared it World Apple yeah, Pie Day. Yeah, I've still got the audio of the call. I still have it. And that's... And we got three full-size. I think what there was like, one was plain apple, one was like apple and cinnamon, and one was like apple and cranberry or something. Three big, massive, like cartons of fresh custard. Oh, what, what a day it was. Yeah, yeah so we... Yes, we did that. We um, we had uh, we had Ronnie's records, which we used to have fun with on a Friday. Yeah. So we. So remember when you were told, "Don't talk to the newsreader." <laughs> yeah, I don't. It was good radio though, and I think that's what there was an admittance that this is actually pretty good stuff. Yeah. So, but it's always been in my. Do you know what I think? I think it was so much fun. Mm. And I, I don't think you can listen to somebody obviously having that much fun and not have a bit of fun yourself. Yeah, yeah. So like we, when it's so obvious that people are just yeah. enjoying what they're doing. So we would do food. We would do food related ones. So we would do the. Um, it started right. It started because somebody went on Britain's Got Talent and there was it was like you ate three Ferrero Rochers in a certain amount of time or something. No, the guy ate eight in a minute. It was eight. Was that was it? Yeah. So we tried to do that, yeah. and that's where it went from. Yes. And so, then, and I think I, I think I beat you. I don't think so. Probably I think. Probably I did. think. Oh, you've got a bigger mouth than me, anyway. So it's true. I was just demonstrating there. <laughs> Were you? Is that what that? Oh, I can my fist it anyway. God. Um, oh. Um, but, but that but that must make it bittersweet when you come off. Yes. That must be yeah. a hard thing to take. I was done though. I was done. I was at the end of. I was at the end of the road because. Anything, anything, maybe, I mean, I might get, don't get me wrong, I was I was quite averse to getting my bollocks for something that I'd done on air or said on air. And I, I'll take a wrist slap any day of the week. You know, and one of the, I mean, a major lesson was you shouldn't say, 
thank God, you shouldn't say God's sake or nothing on air. Mm-hmm. And I've I've known that. I, I've I learned that lesson because I said that, and I was like, you know what? I knew myself. I went. I should have said goodness, but I said yeah, God, yeah. God's sake, or oh, goodness sake. It's not a phrase I use day to day. Why I was saying it on air, I've no idea. So I remember getting that. Oh, you can't say that. I was like, fine, no problem, mm. no no bother at all. When it was when. So the, you would take you would take that on board. You would take any kind of I mean, feedback. When, when the strap line was wave one or two, Dundee's best variety of hits. I said tits on more than one occasion. <laughs> you know. Charlie said it more We've all done that. It said shits before. We've you, know. you know, we've all had a wee stumble over country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the ray doesn't come out. Um, so things like that, I didn't mind. Um, didn't mind get that. We we were giving away a used car. Like you had to go and find this car, which was a great competition. But the first day of execution, I bollocks that. I made a complete mess of it. But I don't think it deserves to get shouted doing the phone for 10 minutes about it. It's like, oh, wait a minute. What happened? What did you do? Oh, it just, the execution just didn't work. It right. didn't sound great. It was, you know, it was just one of them. It was quite messy on air. Mm-hmm. But this is like, I'm only human. You know, yeah. we're, pressing these, we're pressing these buttons, moving these mm-hmm. faders, things get caught and you just get lost in it. And people like listening to you because you're human. Yeah. They don't want to hear uh, a machine or a, you know... Yeah. Perfect person. No, so I, I, you know, I don't think I deserve ten minutes again. Shout doing the phone about how to do it. I was like, well, like, fair enough. But just say, look, I can need to work on this. This mm-hmm. is not right. Nailed it every day after that because I knew what I was doing. Yeah, it's just so that was kind of there was wee things like that. Um, the constant sort of you know need to rein in what you're doing with. I you know, said, so what was doing well, and that's horrible. <laughs> um, but doing these wee bits and, and getting involved, and they were just like, I was like, come on. I was like, you need to, mm-hmm. you know, I'm staying on that fucking wall. So I was, it was kind of a relief at the end, you know, in an ideal world that I swapped, went back to drive and mm-hmm. things would have been all right, but it was, it was, it was come off. And So was there any kind of negative impact on you? Were you like, not depressed, but you know, did you take a hit from that? Not really. I am... Um, I was, uh, you know, contract was paid up, which was the least of least of my worries. Really, it was like um, the a press release come out that said I was working on another project for the station, and that riled me up because I was like, I'm not. That's yeah. that's not what was discussed. Mm-hmm. Well, look, so I always thought I'd probably come back. I'd go on at the weekends mm-hmm. and I'd be quite happy. I'll get myself a Monday or Friday job, and I'll be fine. And then, luckily, I actually ended up getting a. It was something like about 10 weeks out of 12 worth of cover work. So covering either daytime drive or the evening show. So I was yeah. pretty busy. I remember you being back yeah. not long after. No, I, took, I think I was off for about three weeks and then worked at least every other week for mm-hmm. ages. And it got to near, it, it, that took me to about November. And then in a three-week period in November, having not been on air for near a month, I hosted the three biggest events of the year for the station. And I wasn't even on. And it was bizarre. But then why why wasn't somebody else hosting them? No idea. Absolutely. To this day, I've not an I- no idea. But at the same time, when I'm getting offered the money to go and mm-hmm. do it, I'm not going to say no. The three big, and I'm obviously thinking, maybe put myself, I don't know who I'm marketing myself to, because it's, but it's not like going to Glasgow or yeah. London or Manchester or Edinburgh or whatever. There, was, there wasn't really empty, but I thought, you know what? I'll do it. Enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Went, done the... Uh, Local Hero Awards with John. Um, and we had a fucking ball. You know, we had a great laugh. Done the Christmas like switch on again on a different stage, but still went and yeah. done it as if there was 18,000 there. Mm-hmm. It was the exact same job for me. 
Um, Palmeiras final was involved in. So really weird, weird things. I mean, for me, it was just... It, it, then it was getting tough because mm-hmm. it was getting to December and nothing was happening. There was a new programme controller in. That, you know what? Some people don't take to someone. Some mm-hmm. people are not fans of someone. Yeah. And that's fine. That's totally fine. And you can accept that. Yeah, yeah, but I'll only accept it if you've got the decency to tell me that. Don't let me find it out because you're being a dick. Yeah. Because that's what happened. And then, so I thought, no, fair enough, I won't do it. And I think I've probably done some cover work for maybe another couple of months mm-hmm. off and on because I wasn't doing anything else. Yeah. And then I... Um, did you then make a conscious decision to come away from it completely? Or did it just kind of gradually happen? I, I did what most people did at work and they apply for the, the right to the email every single PD. So I got, I took, I went into Wave one day, one night or whatever, took as much audio that I had, mm-hmm. packaged myself up, which I think is a pretty nice sounding demo, which still 10 years old stands up to being creative entertaining it's very very funny yeah you know stupid mm-hmm. at the same time you know and they they had all the wee elements and that i i look back at that and think that was quite good but at the time you had big payoffs from some of the companies there was a lot of there was a lot of fish in a very very small pond yeah there was talent going spare yes yeah and if you weren't fast you were kind of last mm-hmm. so in that year I went back to three, not with my tail between my legs, mm-hmm. but I was actually DJing a wedding for one of the guys that I'd worked with and got on really well with. And uh, Ali said to me, um, what are you doing now? I said, oh, none. I said, I'm just DJing really and quite enjoying it. She said, well, there's a job here. Do you want me to put a word in mm-hmm. for you? There's a new manager. I was like, oh, yeah, right, okay, I." And to be fair, went and spoke to the guy on the night and he said, yeah, come in. I still remember that. He says, um, coming at 10 o'clock for your interview. Um, casual. She's mm-hmm. just come down, got a blether and whatever. I was like, right, okay, fine. So I'm saying, how casual should it be? And she's like, no, casual, just come in, jeans, jumper, you know, it's not a suit job. It's not a mm-hmm. suit job, you know, because that's how we worked. Right, fine, okay. So he says to me the day before, he says, I've got to go to a meeting. Could I move it to three? I was like, no bother. Mm-hmm. Half past 10, phone goes. Where are you? No, he left me a voicemail. Oh, like, no. oh, I'm really disappointed you've not come in. Blah, blah, blah. I'm really sorry. I was like, fucking hell. Phone him back. says, oh, you said three o'clock. He's like, did I? I was like, oh, I've, got, I've got the text. I've got three. I told Ali three. So you went. And she's like, I did that. It's right coming at three o'clock. And she's like, aye, aye. He's like, oh, really sorry. See you at three. I was like, wow. So I went and had the chat. And he was like, um, he says, I've got a couple of positions. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it was like eight hours, 12 hours, 20 hours, whatever. What do you want? I was like, I'll take, I said, I'm happy part-time. I said, I'm still sort of pursuing some other right. stuff. And he was like, yep. Yeah. So I, I went there on a 20-hour contract. And so you then, never technically went back to like the nine to five? Uh, no, no. So I went and worked there. And then I, um, Darn at Kingdom gave me some sort of kind of VT stuff because they were full of the gunnels as well mm-hmm. with staff. So you were just trying to get yourself in the door and get yeah. a chance. And I always thought if I got a chance, I'd be all right. But the chances never came. That was mm-hmm. the problem. When you went back to three, did it ever feel like a failure? No, no, because I had a good time. Mm-hmm. I had a great time on air. You know, I could have worked with better people on air, but you know, where can we choose us? That's a rude gesture you just made in my direction. Well, nobody can see. Um, 
No, I, I, I failed what the objectives were, but I didn't know the objectives when I took it, if mm-hmm. you know what I mean. I didn't yeah. know them till late on, you know, and, um, you know, confidential and I'll never reveal them, but mm-hmm. they were fucking miles away from where we had to be at the time. Yeah. And that, that sucked. That fucking sucked. It sucked the life out of me pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I always enjoyed being on air between seven and nine because it was always busy, yeah. brilliant, flowing. Nine o'clock to ten, we could take the piss a little bit. Yeah. You know, people were in, Munter Monday was on, again, Snidey Friday, whatever. We had a lot of daft things off there, but we can have fun, yes. you know. Um, and people would steal our milk. Uh, but we do, you know, we do, being on air, doing daft things like that, like mm. not being scared to take the chance. Like, yeah. So our... So our fridge dies. Remember our fridge dies? Yeah. So our fridge dies that me me and Alison bought ourselves and hid. And it was just for us on the breakfast show. From, from a small child. From a small child, yeah. I couldn't remember if we told this now on the other podcast, but on the other episode. So uh, I um, I then went on air, played mm-hmm. the Our Tune song, which is really sad. I'm going, you know, I've got some <laughs> sad news to share with you. Uh, you know, our fridge, our breakfast fridge. Yeah. It's died. You know, just daft things. Daft, but it just made it so creative. I'll tell you the most creative thing I did, and I, do, I don't know if you'll remember it, and I hope you do, and it's the it's the only bit of audio I wish I had still, and right. I don't. So I'd had conversations with the management, mm-hmm. and it was, we were, I was still digging my heels in slightly about a few things, mm-hmm. but I already knew a change was coming. I knew somebody was coming in, Mm -hmm. but a wee bit, we still weren't sure where. So obviously I'm, I'm not throwing boys under the bus, but I was fighting my corner to go, of course, yeah, stick me here, stick me here. That's what you do. You know? So, these conversations were happening, I wasn't really going any place, and I, I come at the, I said in one of the meetings, right, okay, that's fine, it's all agreed, next Friday, that's Mm -hmm. it, we finish. I want to talk about it on air. And they were like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. She says, you want to talk? I says, I want to, I want to speak about it. Mm-hmm. I says, because... Which never happens. I says, why not? I says, why not? People leave and when they retire, they'll always mention it. Mm-hmm. I says, no, I, I want to I want to say I'm leaving the breakfast show. I want yeah. to, but I want full, full fucking, no like disclosure, full it. control over what I do. I don't have to... I says, I'm not going to dig into you. I says, but I just want to have a bit of fun with it. Mm-hmm. And I... Uh, I then edit. I can't remember when I played it during the week. It might have been on the Friday. Oh no! I think I sell. I try to celebrate by having a party on the Friday. Do you remember? No. You might have been on holiday or no there, because you would have been part of this if you were there, because we were that bloody close on air. Mm-hmm. So you would have been. So if you weren't right, so the whole week I was leading up to the, I was there was a leaving party happening at Wave, but we don't know. But no one knew who it was for. Yeah. So that's how the week started. Mm-hmm. On I think the Friday, the the Wednesday, it was like even party invites you the day. Can't wait to hear it. On the Thursday, I think it was. It was. Um, she's got the yeah, invites are here. She's mm-hmm. but you know uh, we all have these meetings at our work. We don't really want to go. Ah, God, I had one yesterday. It was a nightmare. Here's how it went. So it's me going. Hey boss, what's happening? And then it's Alan Sugar going. You're fired or something. It's clips for the Apprentice. So we, I package that up. It's about 45 seconds mm-hmm. and it's some of my finest acting work. As I, as I recorded it one morning, it'd be five in the morning yeah. in the studio next door. And I'm like, uh, 
what do, what, what do you mean it's no working or something uh-huh. like that and it would have been one of his brutal series it was fucking really brutal and that, and that was it and I played this out twice played out peak time 20 mm-hmm. past 8 fucking peak time and then played it again at 9 o'clock and I remember um, program manager wasn't wasn't in yet which was really unusual and he'd usually phone see if he wanted to roll mm-hmm. I remember that yes. roll coming across yes. the bridge or whatever and the main gaffer wasn't in the building yet. And I was kind of like, you know, I've got nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. They might tell me not to work, come on. I really don't care here because I'm done. Yeah. So come off air. No one was said. Just went in because he was running late. So he just bombed right on it. Yeah. Right after me at 10 o'clock. Sat in the office and there was no one was really saying anything. I mean, people were sort of just like, I heard that this morning or whatever. I said, oh, Jack. I said, Jack, 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 it was pretty funny. She's like, so it was quite sad though. I was like, I said, no, but that's because you know me. Yeah. I said, but it's meant to be funny. Mm-hmm. So then on the Friday, I had a, I had a leaving party for one. It was just me. So I was playing the sound <laughs> effects and playing like, yeah, leaving party. Who's leaving? Oh, it's me. Uh, and that's kind of how we, we did it. And to be fair, the last, the crossover link that we always did mm-hmm. between into there, it was a, it was a horrible, mo- it was a, no, a horrible moment. It was a very, <sighs> because he couldn't dress it up yeah. because I'd been on about a week mm-hmm. so I was like well it's not doing me and then I'm pretty sure I went that's what I'm saying I went back after about three weeks and the first come right out of the news we weren't allowed to do anything I don't think the weather sat there on one of the shows and I just went like ah surprise uh, and went <laughs> on and that's that's some of the that was the best bit of audio I ever played out that mm-hmm. had the biggest effect because people see now this is where social media would come on its own. Yeah. Because if people liked you, they would be fucking really quick to tell. Mm-hmm. But then it didn't really happen. Mm-hmm. But anyone I knew or listened, they were like, fucking hell, because I didn't tell anyone. Yeah. I wanted to be, like, I wanted it to be part of the show. If mm-hmm. you're telling me I'm no committed or I'm not doing what I can, yeah. but I've made that part of the show when mm-hmm. I'm leaving the job, you know, yes, I'd had enough, but mm-hmm. I hadn't said that on air. N- not once would I have said that no, on air. No, 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 no. I'd had enough. But I, I, it was so tough. It was a bit of a relief. So when I went to the, the day job, I was doing little bits. And Darren, like I said, gave me a chance to go down to Kingdom and do a bit of recording. Just just to keep keep myself in there. I was still a member at Bridge, but wasn't really there at the time because I was so busy with other stuff. Mm-hmm. And it must have got to about the end of the year. And uh, I was like, I wasn't chasing it anymore. I wasn't. There was because there was no opportunities, mm-hmm. but you, there wasn't the big payoffs like there are now. You know, with two local shows got yeah. a license and all this shit. So, I, I, I was that was kind of me, and I had no, no interest in going back. And now and again, I would share things that would come up on Facebook because mm-hmm. I was I was quite active on Facebook and Twitter ten years ago, trying to plug the shows before yeah. you got a Facebook page, mm-hmm. before you made. You know, I think there was a Facebook group that fucking made no sense. So even now I'll get like uh, updates of stuff I'm speaking about yeah. on air. And I cringe a little bit of what my update says because I know on air it would have sounded more natural. Yes, uh-huh. Like I haven't checked it today, um, but it might be something like, yeah. oh, it's Snidey Friday. Oh, I get some, yeah, I get some great Facebook memories from um, us. So, so yeah, and I, I kind of just... And just disappeared from it. And I just didn't really have anything. But mm. and I would get the odd thing and I would share the odd thing. And then last last year, because I'm assuming that's where you're heading. Yep. Uh I shared a I shared an update. I'm trying to think what it was. 
it was the photo. It was a photo. Remember, we we had like there was a photo shoot that we all went to, and we all had like frames and we had props and stuff. Was it not one of those no, photos you no, shared? No, it wasn't that one. It wasn't that one. But you can pad for some time, and I will get you it because I know exactly which one it was. But no, I, that frame photo was great. That was always a quite a fun photo. Yeah. But the photo, um, the photo I'm on about. That, that photo shoot that we all went to, I was wearing, I'd bought a top for it and I still had the label on it because I couldn't afford it. And I took it back afterwards. And it was on all the promo shots, all the website shots. <laughs> no, I had a couple of uh, a couple of really good ones, but I, did, I shared something last year and it was, it was 10 years since it happened. I remember the post, I just thought it was that photo. Nah, definitely not that photo. It's definitely not that photo. I am still trying to find it. Okay, but what? So wait. So what you basically said in this post was that you were kind of considering going back. Is that right? No, I was basically, uh, I was basically saying something like it's been a long ten years or some shit. It was something like that. I thought it was on Instagram because that's what I'm currently scrolling. But it must. It was definitely on Facebook because someone copied it and sent it to me. And I, and they went. Is this you fishing for a gig? That's what they said. That's what I. That's what I thought it was. No, that's. I, I really don't think it was. I'm still going to check this because I'm desperate to find out what it was. Okay, so right. So while you're, while you're checking, what changed to make you want to go back again? Um. Or what? Or what made you feel like it was the right time? Uh, I, I put this. I'd put the picture up, whatever one it was, and I'm actually just going to find it on the person that sent it to me. And they said something like fishing for gigs or something like that, which was kind of half true. I'm trying to think when it was. So I'd I'd put it up, I'd put the post up, but at this point I had no fucking interest. I just put it up. I thought it was quite a nice post. And then... So, um, you, so at that point you weren't thinking about going back? Not really. Not really. There wasn't really a. There wasn't a, an urge. There wasn't a. I really want to find this post now. It's really fucking annoyed me. It's totally thrown me. It was definitely a shared post, and it was like. It had been a while. Mm-hmm. It had been a while, and I put this post out. And if I find it, I will share it as part of this when we put this out. And someone had mentioned to me, she said, oh, you're fishing for gigs or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, it was 10 years. You know what it was? The post was, it was 10 years to the day that I started on The Breakfast Show. That's yeah. what it was. That's what it was. So it was September 2018 that the post went up. So uh, it was 2018. So that would be, yeah, so be a 10-year. Uh, there it is. Found it. <laughs> found thank it. god so I put a picture up and it's that picture I knew it was that picture I see I was on about the frame so I no but that was from the same day though right. made props because you've got a what have you got like a bacon roll or something uh, that I mean a strawberry tart a strawberry whatever you're eating something yeah it's all over me <laughs> like most so I said uh, 23rd September 10 years ago today I went back to Wave 102 to present The Breakfast Show the biggest show on any radio station it was an absolute joy to do uh, Dave Moran had so much trust in my ability and I still hope 10 years later I didn't let him down along with my sidekick Alison McDonald we made mornings fun hopefully not just for us 
Uh, 18 months later, I walked out the door for the final time after a six-month spell of not really knowing what I wanted to do or where I would go. Pretty much left my radio career behind and I've never looked back or had had the itch or interest to return until now. Right, so that to me was you were trailing some kind of comeback. So so that was the, that was the first time I'd ever seen anything of doing it and thinking, I might be all right. But at the same time, I wasn't that serious. But what had changed? What had made you think about going back, even think about it? Uh, I didn't know where I was going. Mm -hmm. I didn't know where I would end up. I didn't know how to even approach it. I had no audio, no fresh Mm -hmm. stuff. And I just thought, right, it's out. And I don't know why I wrote the until now, because I generally had no, in, in eight and a half years, no fucking interest. Mm-hmm. I'd done a good few years at Bridge and just enjoyed it, playing around with my mm-hmm. mates and having a laugh. And and I, uh, because after after I left and gave up, I then started doing podcasts for the first time. That's kind of where I flirted with this mm-hmm. medium. And that, that was fine, but then... I actually got a job and it was a lot harder. It was a lot more editing than what it takes now. So even though this is all so natural. uh, So then when I went back, yeah, I didn't really think about it. And then uh, Andrew said, uh, do you want to grab a coffee? Do you want to catch up? I was Mm -hmm. like, aye, all right. So I met him. I was down in Manchester with Jono. I went down to see him and I said said to him, I said, "Um, said, what are you fucking... I said, I've got an itch. No one you need to go to the doctor about. I says, but I've got an itch that I can't fancy seeing if, if I could still do it. See if I've still, mm-hmm. but I don't know where to start. Was that? Was it just a curiosity? Yeah, definitely. At this point, it's purely a curiosity. And probably thinking naively and kind of wee bit up yourself going, I could do better than what's going on. Because if you're not going to be yeah. better, what's the point? If you don't mm, think true. you can be better than what's on, what's the point? But I thought I could probably compliment something. But the mm-hmm. problem was the station choice you've got is really narrowed down because of all this fucking, there's no shows, you know? Yeah. So it was kind of like, maybe the, maybe the dose, maybe, maybe it's time to go home. Maybe it's time to go home. So Andrew, so I said to Jono, I says, I says, I'm going to meet him for a coffee this week and just, just chat. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Did you have any reservations at that point? <clears throat> reservations no because I didn't know what I was going to chat to him about I was hoping to, I would just see if we see if I'd met him and just chatted about what I was up to mm-hmm. I'd been quite happy because I hadn't spoke to him in a, a good few years so I'd say John says but see you asked you what you think of the station I says I think you've been listening so the first thing I said to Andrew was I think you've been listening yeah. because I'd turned it on and went well fucking hell that's not the way if I remember boom I'm out so he said oh how did you know? How did you know? Say, you know, I says, I don't know what your fucking role is. Mm. So I'm, I, I, you know, I'm looking after all the radio. I said, but that's not what your LinkedIn says. <laughs> it says like you're a innovations consultant. I don't know what that is. So wanky title. These are the days. A podcast from Ronnie Costello and guests. Yeah, it was a wanky title. And I told him that, I think. A few times. Um, so anyway, I, I, I chatted to him and, uh, you know, I was like, I don't know, because we've got took bought over from uh, DC Thompson's. Out of fucking nowhere, by the mm. way. But it totally saved the station, to be fair, because I think if they didn't come in, 
I don't. <laughs> I think it might not have survived. Yeah. You know. And DC Thompson are an institution in Dundee. Huge, absolutely huge. So, who have now grown to have original in Kingdom, which is massive for a local company. Mm-hmm. You know. So I um yeah. So I, I was like, well, <laughs> wasn't that playing? <laughs> Come on. But I also didn't really have any interest back yeah. when this was happening. You know, not that we got it and people were in, but I was like, um, I've got no interest in coming in full time. And I was very clear on, I said, but you know, let's see, let's mm-hmm. see what's going on. So we chatted back and forward and he says, well, if you want to come in, just sort of meet people, just have a look. So I went in one night, went in the studios and I was like, fuck it, this is an upgrade. This looks like it works. He's like, the, oh. the old one, I think it's fair to say was... Rustic? Very. Yeah, very. So I went in, had a wee look. He was like, um, do you want to record like stuff? I was like, not really. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, I'm not really. Just just let me press some buttons. So I was just like, what the fucking words are saying? It was a new system, new play out and whatever. Mm-hmm. So fancy now. It was no CDs. So I was like, all right, okay. And um, so I was like, I'll go in. I just want to. Got on the desk and uh, I tried to um, I tried to do a presenter read. I couldn't do it. I really? Couldn't, I couldn't do it. I, I just because my brain wasn't working mm-hmm. in radio way. It was just horrible. So I was reading it, and it, it just didn't it didn't make sense to me. Yeah, it wasn't coming across. And I was like, I listened back and I was like, I'm fucking deleting that and I fucking deleted it. Started again. Couldn't really get it. And I just said, I mind saying. Um, I said, I've left it and so-and-so, so-and-so. And I, I, I left. I just, I didn't go upstairs. So I was going, I said, look, I've, I emailed, just said, look, I've left it in there. Mm-hmm. I says, but it's fucking pretty shit and whatever. So we'll see what, so see you later. And then I got a phone call out of the blue saying, um, do you fancy a Sunday, three till seven, starting on uh, 9th of December? I was like, cool. That sounds good. But there was a couple of people in this, it was like a conference call. So there was mm-hmm. a couple in the minute. So I just went along and done that, but I I had messaged them separately saying, if I don't like this, mm-hmm. I'll be very honest and tell you I'm not hanging about. Yeah. I says if that if the if the feelings know there, and I says I'll probably know after my first show, mm-hmm. but I'll certainly know after a couple. So I went, didn't want nothing mentioned, didn't even say there's a show on, didn't even the person before me knew even mention it. Just let me come in, get my feet under the table and yeah, be and me. See. So I prepped fucking like a dog for four hours didn't really know the format didn't really you know how many links I'd have made sure I was always doing my bits and I went on and after my second link I was like fucking timing's a wee bit here fucking hell right okay what's coming next right girls allowed to speak about them fucking work something out and I got a text on my phone saying uh is, is that you on wave? And and this this is how mental things like this happen. Mm-hmm. So when I left, and it, it was tough. Yeah, it was tough doing the line. But that's when you need that support. Yeah. You know, and it was a tough time for us, for me and Ash at the time. But she was always like, oh, yeah, right, everything mm-hmm. will be cool. And it was just, we knew it was shite, but words help like that yeah. and it, I know that she was bullshitting but it no, made you I go no I know what you mean so I get a text is that you and Wave and it was her I was like how the fuck it, everyone that could be listening why are you listening so 
so yeah, so kind of like my first listener when I went back was her. Yeah. And she was like, oh, enjoy it, have a good time. And I was like, I'm, I'm kind of trying to, but I really know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm a wee bit lost. And she was like, you'll be all right. Just, you, just, you'll be all right. And did you need to hear that at that point? I have no idea because I was expecting not to listen to hear for anybody. Yeah. So um, people always pay a really nice service and say, sounding good, sounding good. But I don't want them to, I want them to tell me why. Mm-hmm. Because if you just say I'm sounding good, you, you just go, cool, great. But just say all that. Yeah, it's a bit empty. You want to know yeah, what's actually and I, working. And if I was to say that to somebody on radio, I was always tell them. Like, mm-hmm. if they, not that I've got major, major experience, but if somebody does something, I'll say, you know, that link was really good because, mm-hmm. come on, you, you said this. I didn't expect you to say yeah. that. You know, be creative. I mean, um, Rachel's on before me on a Sunday. is very new, mm-hmm. very new to the industry, less than a year in there and needs the training. But every, every week she's on, she's learning more. Mm-hmm. But now... She just needs wee tools because at the weekend you're left to yourself. Yeah. But so now it's real development. It's like develop because there's somebody in there. Like, there's like, I don't see a lot of me, and but I, she's young and enthusiastic, which is what I was. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't know if I'm doing it right. I says, look, if you're doing it wrong, you'd be fucking getting told. Yeah, yeah. Don't expect no. a part in the head when you do someone well on radio, mm-hmm. but expect a kick in the ass when you do someone wrong. Yeah. So, um, so I done. I think I done a couple of shows. I was like, it's all right. And I had to, I had to, uh, I, I, there was a week I was already booked up to do something. So I wasn't on, mm-hmm. but then when I went back, I felt really rusty again. It was the, it was the Sunday right before Christmas. And I, I, I felt really rusty cause I'd just missed one week, mm-hmm. but everything was out there. I could, fucking words were all over the place. I was, you know, I was fucking pressing buttons to play before I was ready. I was you know, even getting timings, you know, you know when it sounds really slick on air when you speak in a song before the lyric, I was all over the place, man. I w- it was like I was trying to fucking kiss the woman on the on the vocal because I was chatting away. She's whoever I think Florence and the Sheen was on. She starts singing and I'm still yeah. fucking water. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, criminal, criminal. And um, why do you think that was the case then? I was just, I just, I was so out of practice. Mm-hmm. Really, it's like anything. You didn't do something for ages. You're yeah. out of practice in in any sense. Mm-hmm. And then I got to. Christmas and was asked, do you want to do a couple of extra shows? There's a couple of breakfast shifts needing done. I was like, oh, no, I all right. So booked myself in for, I think it was a Thursday, Friday. It's definitely a Friday. The Friday was our day out. Myself right. and Webby, we go out every, the first Friday after Christmas, mm-hmm. every year. and get fucking moral. And uh, we usually start at 10am mm-hmm. in Tonic for breakfast and beers. But I, I was like, I'm, I'm working, mate. But I didn't tell him where I was working because I was still really right. in, you know. And this was because mm-hmm. this was part of my plan. It was like the the listeners they've got, that's cool. Yeah. But then, uh, people were then starting to look because I was maybe mention it or whatever. And I, I did put a post up because it was something about you know you never know what opportunity you're going to get. Because mm-hmm. I'm thankful to Andrew Stewart and whatever that gave me the opportunity. But I was still in my head. I was like, if I'm I'm out of here, and I think I'd be honest enough to say I'm fucking done. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, and then I got into January and got a real good run. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't doing other shows. Yeah. I was just doing my show. And by the end of January, I was pretty comfy. I just had a wee bit of a gripe with the music. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's an ongoing thing. But I, you know, here we are nine months later and fucking, it's, life's good, man. Yeah. It's uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's fucking awesome. And how does it feel different now compared to, you know, back in the day? Yeah, because I, t- I took a lot of risk back in the day. You know, I took a lot of 
risks. I'd done stuff that was against protocol. I mm-hmm. went against the rules a little bit. I, but now I just go on and I'm obviously doing what, what Craig likes and I just keep, I talk about me mm-hmm. all the time. You know, and I think, especially on breakfast, especially for me, and I remember uh, Dave's wife actually at the time preempted Ash by saying, believe me, you'll be part of this mm-hmm. fucking circus that they're in. And I, I didn't quite believe it until I just found myself going, you'll not believe what I got to tell after yesterday. I mean, apparently yeah. I can't leave my shoes at the door. But then it was bringing people in and that's mm-hmm. the thing. But I am so still like that. You know, I'm speaking a lot of the time now, depending on when this goes out and timings, but I speak every week about doing the Strictly Come Prancing competition. Every week I'm speaking about doing this dance thing and what we've been doing and how I was injured mm-hmm. and, you know, how I, you know, I walked in, I walk in pretty confident to a dance studio with three females and I'm like, oh, I'm getting out of my comfort zone here. Um, so I'll speak about that. I'll speak about anything that I yeah. do. And I still, you know, you still need to keep in and I still like the daft wee headlines and, and whatever. And I just, I, I do enjoy it. I prep. Fucking for at least two hours every week mm-hmm. for stuff. Um, I've got more stuff than I ever need, you know, and uh, it's just been you out there for people. And I mm-hmm. think it's, some presenters don't need to share what they do, but I'm like, everyone's fucking life. You know, I don't talk about, you know, I can't really talk about the podcast, mm-hmm. which is a pisser sometimes, but yeah, it's just the way it is. It'd be cool if you could, but you know, we have a good time and mm-hmm. I try to enjoy it. And at the minute, I mean, I'm surprised. I'm surprised because I thought. You thought you were done. I thought I'd give it a month. Yeah. If and you, if you could go back and give yourself in those early days, one piece of advice, what would you tell yourself? Take the blame and apologize. Take your medicine. Take me. Don't act. Don't, don't try and be the big man. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the break probably done me good because I was in a fucking bad place off air. I was yeah. fucking enjoying life fucking quite a lot and it was maybe something I needed but maybe not that harsh. Mm-hmm. A wee slap on the wrist for a week would have sorted me out but then we went to fucking not against anyone else to sign on but it was getting fucking mm-hmm. you know it could have been could have been really bad. I'd worked every fucking day of my life because of the, what mum had inst- installed in me and then here I was not. not really sure what's going on, you know. Um, so yeah, I should have at the end of two thousand seven. I should have just fucking played the game, played the game, said sorry, not being the arsehole that I was kind of slightly turning into, and I was, and I don't, you know, I don't fucking hide that. And that's the fucking truth. Um, Do you? But I had an awful lot as well, like a lot, a lot of people because I'd. I was in a new. I was in a different circle of friends. Like mm-hmm. I, I've got a really close knit circle of friends now, and the majority of them have been there for 15, mm-hmm. 20 years, twenty five year, thirty year, with other friends that have come in recently that are part of that. You know, but I barely was seeing any of them. So they, they you know, I was just fucking out of control. You mm-hmm. know, and I'd speak to them. You know, because it was on the radio, they would listen because we got online listening. I was like, yes, online listening. So they would do that. And, you know, every day Webby would be listening because he fucking loved the banter in mm-hmm. the morning, you know. But I wasn't a, I wasn't really socialising probably as much with them because I was just fucking going out and being fucking wild. Yeah. You know, and fucking, 
house parties and fucking renegades and fucking just just being off it a little bit. So, do you have regrets or do you think you know it's all part of who you are now? Um, both times I left had a big impact. The first the first time I was too. I was too bold, I was too brash, I was too me, me, me type thing. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't a nice person a lot of the time off it, you know, and I didn't, before, before the whole, not, it's not a mental health stigma issue or anything, but before that was a thing, there was times it was just like, this is fucking shit, because I was so unmotivated at times Mm -hmm. to do anything. I was, I was lazy, really lazy, didn't want to do nothing, but I went to work every single day, I showed up every single day and for every gig, and I always gave 100%. Mm-hmm. But out with that, just get me to a party. Just let me enjoy it. Just let me sit here and drink on my own every day, every night. That was weird. I would never turn up to work like that. But at night, it was fucking fair game. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, I would have liked, I should have opened up to probably some other people and just been like, what the fuck's going on? But to be fair, I don't like giving her credit too much. But when... I then started seeing my ex missus. She basically said, "It's kind of go on, mm-hmm. you know." And that was about a month, four to six weeks, and they're going out together. And I'd had a lot from her, and then it was like, "This we are a we are a party at the house." And there was loads happening. And she was like, "You fucking you can't do this, or this, or we are no happening." Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, "Well, the old me would have just went, well, I can see ya." But yeah. I was like, the next day, I was like, "What's that? I'm done." But it was tough, really tough. But then the second time, we were we were again we were in the same we were in a worse place because we had no fucking money. Mm-hmm. So yeah, take a bit of humble pie and learn. I should have moved quicker to do other stuff or being. I was, but I'm quite stubborn like that. I'm like, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be all right. So they they were yeah. I didn't. I missed it. Yeah, but not because I was annoyed, especially mm-hmm. the first time. Because I was such a dick. I was such a dick. I was such a horrible person at times, you know. But I was never like, you know, going, he needs to go and host a, an outside broadcast. I was professional, 100%. Mm-hmm. But out with, I could just be a dick. And that's that's not a nice trait. That's a horrible trait. I was, I was, and I was horrible to a lot of people. You know, you, you, you hurt a lot of people, but you speak to people, you're involved with people, you mix with people, you, you know, do whatever you're doing with people and you're just not a very nice person, you know what I mean? That's a, so that was about what I wake up, which probably had to happen because fuck knows what it would have been like six months later if that still went on, mm-hmm. you know? And then the second time was just like, shit, you know, this is wake up, we're not making any money, you know, we, we, we're struggling to pay bills. But one thing I don't get is why I didn't ask my mum for help. Because mm-hmm. I fucking ask her all the time. And I asked her loads of times over time. But for this one reason, this uh-huh. one time, not one of us would ask our parents for help. And I still, to this day, can't work out why we didn't just say, I mean, like, 20 quid a week just to help out. Didn't even ask. We just kept going. Like, did you feel like you had got yourself into that situation so you had to get yourself out of it? Any idea? No idea. No, we. I, I have no answer for it we just didn't know what was I too proud no really because I'd asked loads of time before mm-hmm. you know um, and I just don't know I don't know why we, we didn't do it but 
I honestly, when I'm thinking about putting my heating on, I always go now, fucking hell, couldn't I do this many years ago? Yeah. I'm just going to put on 20 hours a day. Come on. Back then, nah, duvet each, hoodie on, is on, wow. socks on. Can't even, yeah, having to sleep in the smallest room so there wasn't a lot of air circulating it, so it was freezing. Yeah. It, it just, it's not a way to fucking live, man. It was horrible. And then we... And then it makes you thankful for what you have now. Totally, you without doubt. It. Absolutely, absolutely. For and for all the shitty times that we had, and the fallouts you had, and the breakup you have, you move on. You know, mm-hmm. we've joked loads of times. Fucking, hell, I can't believe we're here. Like, and for that, for her to be the first to text, that's mental. Yeah. Like that shouldn't happen. But I was like, well, at least she's still listening. But you know, and that's that's fine. You know, we you know we got on better now than we probably ever have mm-hmm. Pulex is usually when our team are playing but it's yeah it, the second time taught me to go and fucking get a job and it took a lot longer but kind of thankful for it and but yeah never had the itch and then here I am fucking still pretending to fucking pretending to talk shite during songs still, no you definitely talk shite still talking yeah. shite during songs so there's another string to your bow that we've not mentioned yet which is you're the stadium announcer at Tanadice. Yes. So I happen to know that your dad was raging when, as a baby, you were given a United Tammy by an insurance man. Mm-hmm. But your granddad Jim was delighted about it. And from then on, you were a United fan. Mm-hmm. So is that, is that another dream job for you? Yeah, yeah, of course it is. You're the voice of, you're the voice of it. You know, and it's too... It, I, I, I went to when I went to games. It was something I was never. I just wanted to. I was a fan. I wanted to go there, and then I covered it a couple of times. I was like, "Oh, this is tough because of where the position was. You were in behind the executive box in this fucking broom cupboard, and couldn't see. Was like, can't really see what's going on. There's a grainy TV. It's like can't really watch this. Oh, I can't do this a lot. And then got offered it six and a half year ago. And I was like, yeah, and we had a season, I had a season ticket at the time. There was a few of us though. So I left like my missus, a couple of pals and went and done it. And I thought I'd probably do it to the end of the season. And here I am mm-hmm. still at the moment, not upset them enough, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's class. It's, it's, class. I'd be there anyway. And that's the thing. It's just a cool, it's a cool thing to do. It is a real cool thing to do. And um, you do another podcast, which is about football. Yes. Which... I'm going to hand up. I've never listened to it. You should. You should, because going by today's result, it's going to be interesting tomorrow, even though this will make no sense when this goes out. But <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. We launched that this season, the Dode Fox podcast. Uh, it's every week on a Monday. Myself and Paul McNichol, who was on episode two of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we just kind of chat about United and what they're getting up to. But it's, it's not a... It's not, oh, we're amazing for an hour or we are shit for an hour. It's here's a bit of the game and here's loads of other stuff going on. Mm -hmm. And by the way, here's a special guest that won the Scottish Cup or here's a fan or should we do that? Yeah, that's good. That's good fun. That's good fun. But then this was, this was something that had come up. I'd I'd thought about doing for a couple of years, but it was just like, I bought that. Well, I've been moving flats. Yeah. You know, I was living in some interesting flats. Um, (laughs) <laughs> with a lot of entertainment going on they were good times uh, and then kind of bought the house really quickly because of what was happening so everyone kind of went in the back burner because it was about then I think I was thinking about it 
And then when I first moved, I, I in my back bedroom, I said, I'm going to turn that just in a studio mm-hmm. and I'm going to do this and do that. And then you realise, I need fucking storage. Uh, something's to iron, something's to hand close. So yep. that's not happening. So I just um, put it on the back burner for, until 2019. And then I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it this year. But again, I put it off. Be January, February, fuck, it's March. And then in April, I just went, I'm doing it. I'm going mm-hmm. to do it. So I had a load of old, like wee studio kit that I'd bought. And I was like, if I can sell this mm-hmm. and I can make enough to buy what I need, mm-hmm. I'll do it. If I don't make enough, I'm just going to spend it, enjoy it, and yeah. that'll be it. So sold all the kit, raised a, a couple of, a few hundred quid, bought all the stuff and thought, right, now I really need a plan. Because I had the kit, but not the plan. Yeah. So Stacy, who listens to every episode of this, I was brainstorming with her over text about a name. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I says, because I'm a bit of an arsehole, I, had a, I was calling it the Costello cast for a long time. That was the working title. And I thought, right, at least I've wrote something down. Mm-hmm. It can only get fucking better. Yeah. Because... My name doesn't really mean anything because I am not Joe Rogan. I'd fucking love to be because he's the bomb. So I basically started with, right, I need a name, need a name. And then we were brainstorming. She was sending some complete shite. I was sending some complete shite. And I was like, I really like being at the table or something. I like that. I really like that. And I was pushing it. And she was like, nah, doesn't work. She's like, say you're not at a table one day. Say you're, and I was like, <laughs> mm, fuck it, you've got a point. But I wrote at my table. I mm-hmm. had that written. I thought I could fucking, we could use that. So um, I started looking at songs, song album titles, Mm -hmm. just to see if anything jumped out. Because I I always thought that I needed a title, but I needed a subtitle because I wasn't want to get, I didn't want to get cornered into a sports podcast. I didn't want to get into a film podcast. I wanted to be very general, Mm -hmm. but I wanted it to be real people. The problem I have, you then need real people to come and tell your, their story. Yeah. So, I, I put up a very generic post, I think, on social media saying I'm starting a podcast with MDB Interest and just chatting. Mm-hmm. And people were like, oh, that might be pretty cool. But no one title at this point. And I was probably, I was about a month behind where I was hoping to be at this point. And I was planning out, planning out. So I had a, a chart up and about 30 weeks on it. And I was like, fucking 30 podcasts. Oh, I'll be dead easy. It's fucking not. So I was like, right, okay, 30 weeks, right, I've lost four, so I'm down to 26 weeks. Mm-hmm. So I think I got down to about six months. I think it was about six months. I thought, if I can do that and see where I am, because it has to finish before Christmas, take Christmas and New Year off, come yeah. back in January, right? That's the plan. So, right, okay, who have I got concrete wants to do it? Nabdi. This could be tough. Right, okay. Still no got a name. Yeah. Still no got a name, but I thought I can add that. Mm-hmm. And then um, I put Spotify on shuffle one day, uh, and I've got—I don't mind telling this—I've got a playlist on my Spotify mm-hmm. called Ronnie's Driving Playlist, which I put on the car. Yeah, and I've got Standard. Ronnie's Slow and Chilled Playlist, which I put on the house if I'm pottering about, or I'm going to my bed, or so it's just like stuff that's not upbeat. It's mm-hmm. pretty chilled out. So a song come on and I was like, oh, that's a fucking good song, that. That's, that's quite an interesting lyric, that. And I thought, maybe I could use a lyric. No, nah, that doesn't work. But this, uh, a song come on, an artist come on, not a song. I thought, I'm going to put their album on. I quite like the album. I'm going to put the album on. And in the album, it's the second song, but mm-hmm. this was on Shuffle. Yeah. 
Right. So it's about, the album's nearly finished, about 10 songs in, and I'm nearly finished doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And then I fucking, I, I spill like a glass or something in my bedroom or something. I'm like, fuck, I'm going to clean it up. So we just about to turn it off and go down the stairs. And uh, a song come on called These Are The Days from Jamie Cullum. Mm-hmm. So I went, that's, these are the days, that's, that's pretty fucking good, that. So goes, these are the days of our lives? Nah, these are the days, I quite like that. So I wrote it. And for about two days, so I sent, I'm pretty sure I sent it to the stage. She went, oh, that's all right, that. I mm-hmm. says, and here's the sub. It'll maybe be a uh, fucking buddy, blah, 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 blah. And then my other mate, he shared it after I said, this is what it's called and this right. is what it's about. And he shared it saying, and he put real people, real stories equals must listen conversation. I went, that's class. So I said, yeah. can I use that? He said, yeah, use that. And that's kind of where it come about. But at this point, I've still got no one on. Mm-hmm. And I was starting to shit to myself. <laughs> Because people had said, I can do it, but I kind of do it for a wee while. Yeah. Uh, and I had loads, I had about five people. I thought, oh, they'll be great. But mm-hmm. not one of them could commit to a date. And then uh, Big Paul had said, oh, he said, see if I wasn't such a boring bastard, I'd come on. I was like, mate, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You'll be totally fine. I says, well, let's come and do it. Just even for the practice. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't need to go out. So we done it, and then he, he drops a bit of a. If you've not listened to episode two, he drops a bit of a bombshell near the end, and I'm like, oh, 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 right, okay, fine. And then I thought that's that works. Yeah. This will work. Um, would I change that second episode? Yes, I would. I wouldn't speak about what we were doing for so long at the start, right? Because episode three is then Emma, mm-hmm. which is a delight of Tinder. Online dating, dick pics, and drunk texts. Yeah. We don't have to go over the drunk text bit again because that was horrific. <laughs> Fucking horrific. The, um, the, the, when I shared that update from the 10 years saying, blah, 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 mm-hmm. are you looking for a job? The person I sent the drunk text to sent me that. So we can piece that together. It was hard that it, she texted me saying, are you, is that you looking for gigs? Right. There you go. That's a wee tedious link for you. Wow. Yeah. It's a wee tedious link for you. But I don't think she's listened to any of the podcasts because she hasn't said... And if she has, she should know it's brilliant. So... Why haven't you replied to his text? <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> All the stories. So, yeah, so... And then my uncle came on. He was quite keen but mm-hmm. wasn't in the country. he came come on for episode four. Then I'd sat on the At My Table idea and I just thought, that's going to work. Mm-hmm. But again, done it as a guinea pig. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't go on. Um set of challenge done it really worked can people just it was fine in episode six we had Barry on which was fucking the most open honest hard hitting fucking episode mm-hmm. of loss grief I mean he lost his mum at he was nine and everything went wet but people people would say I don't want to say it was a great episode but that's what I mean and yeah. I was like it's fine and, says, and I was like, but you ought to remember, I was across the table mm-hmm. from him the whole time and it was fucking so hard. But I've always doffed my hat to him because it was fucking superb. Um, so then we had that and then Connor come on for episode seven, told us about his book. And episode eight we had at the table with uh, the boys speaking about films. JP was on. Um, and then uh, All Going to Plan... And this has went out. Episode nine would have been the first play of the Confessions Lottery, 
which is in our new format. So that's kind of, it went from being me just going to speak to people mm-hmm. to now going into various formats and cans in the kitchen. That's going to be a new one. We're going to all get drunk uh, yes. in the kitchen, speaking about things. And uh, possibly you might hear a live game of Cards Against Humanity. Possibly, but we'll see how that works. That might be something that doesn't work, but we'll give that a bash. Do you, is, is this kind of, because you're completely in control of this, mm. does it make it better than anything else you've done or different from anything else you've done? Different, because I didn't think about this at the time and I didn't get any, I didn't, I didn't go for any uh, authority, that's that's authorising, that's not the right phrase, but I didn't seek, I didn't go to my boss and say, oh, by the way, I'm, Mm-hmm. You know, I'm doing a podcast. You know, I work Monday to Friday, and you know, in an EV industry, which is you know, it's a great job. I love my job. Um, it never even, it never even dawned on me to speak to them. I didn't speak to anyone. Wave about it. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I just done it. I just done it. The United one was a bit different because the United one is obviously speaking of, and as me technically as a member of staff, mm-hmm. I think a wee bit at the start they were a bit like, oh, wait a minute here. So I had a chat with them and said, listen to the episodes. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, you know, we're not going on and saying, everyone's fucking shite, get rid of them. That's not what it's about. And the numbers back it up. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time of this recording, we were on 11 episodes, over 20,000 listeners, you know, overall, an average listenership of about 1,700 per episode, per episode, per week. Unique listeners. Mm-hmm. It's mental. But it could be a lot more. Could be a lot more. Mm-hmm. We're on all the podcasts, you know, so that that took a little bit of convincing, but the club are getting on side with that. You know, we've now had, we get fans on, mm-hmm. we get, uh, we've had ex-players on, we are hopefully working with the club to get players on, but we don't just want to do the interview. Like, we, the stories behind it. Like, yeah. we are desperate to get a certain player on without going into it because of the story that's attached to it. We're yeah. desperate to tell that. So, um but again, that was one maybe I should have said to them, look, I'm wanting to do it. But I thought, you know what? See if I say that, we'll no get to they'll no want us to do it. Mm-hmm. So I says, let's just fucking launch it. And it's it's been launched, it's been received really well. And this is now this also has been received well. Because again, when I was mentioned on earlier on on Twitter, somebody had said, Oh, this is new mm-hmm. and, and they had episode three playing in the shop, the partner shop, and I'm like, Oh, just maybe don't do that like, for anyone else thinking about like, it. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's different and some people might listen to certain episodes of this, whereas United fans will listen to every mm-hmm. episode of the other one. Um, so for me, it's creatively, it's great. I love doing it. I never, ever thought I'd be sitting on this side of it. Um, but with its kind of focused on what I've been yeah. doing. Uh, How uncomfortable has this made you? This has actually been okay. Not as uncomfortable as that question on, uh, <laughs> on the Confessions Lottery, to be fair, but... No, th- this has been okay. I think in watching the others tell their story mm-hmm. when they've been on about stuff they've done, it's been it's been crazy to see how open Barry was for two hours. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've went on for near two hours about warning radio. Some people find it really interesting, and some people just want to hear the fuck's he going to say. Yeah. Some people be like, ah, no wonder he's turned hard doing three times. So well, it's three times now. So just saying. The, the third time was face to face. Awkward. So um, yeah, I, 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 it's something I just enjoy doing. Like it's just good fun. It's uh, 
and it's it's been good to see people doing that. But for this, this has been focused on what then. There's a lot more mm-hmm. with anyone. There's there's loads of story. I said that to you. You know, there's years that have been looking the lost years. There's been looking the last few years since splitting up Ash and. It's been a fucking roller coaster of just emotions to fucking house moves to, you know, fucking the renegade being unleashed to going on shitty dates to no turning up for dates to, you know, uh, yeah. I feel I feel like that's another episode we should do. <laughs> it's been, yeah, and then that's been uh, you know my mum listened to episode three. My mum didn't need to listen to episode three. Me, me and your mum are pals now. She gave me stories. So that's, uh, it's been, yeah, it's, it, this has been all right. This has not been as uncomfortable as that one fucking question. That's because that's I've not told the stories yet that your mum told me. Fire on. So uh, when you were, when you passed your driving test at 17, you used to come flying down the street at 40 miles an hour. So she got the police to come and uh, have a chat to True. you. True. Also at 17, you, uh, I mean, I find this hard to believe, but apparently you got very drunk one night and you were sick on her new carpet, said it wasn't you. And you actually referred to this earlier and I bit my tongue, but she hit you with a wardrobe tour. Yeah, but there's more to that story. So, um, yeah, the police is true. That happened. The I had come home. I was a 17. I thought I would have been younger. 16 maybe. But anyway, yeah, I'd come home fucking well pushed. So what we used to do is, when I worked in Quicksave, we used to go over to Liquor Save, it was the, the drink shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went there and um, we'd buy three litre of Diamond White for three quid. Of course. And we'd get sold it even though we were under 18. Because that's just what happened. And normally I would stay at someone else's house. I would never be going home. Mm-hmm. But on this occasion I had to go home. Which is a fucking mistake. So I came in, and uh, yeah, I, 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 uh, but I was sick in my room. Mm-hmm. So I was sick right in the middle of my room. So I, in, on a new carpet. In my teenage years, I my bedroom had everything around the walls, and it was just in the middle. It was just carpet. So I, I was sick there. So I went through and said to my mum, um, "I've just been sick. You're going to need to clean up." And she went, I "Fucking don't think so. You're going to clean up." So I grabbed her new towels. Oh my god! And cleaned it up and then just threw the towels out in the hall and went back to my bed and then was woken up with a wardrobe door being hit over me and my stepdad pulling her off of me in a complete fucking rage. So, yeah, any so I didn't... I never came home underage drunk again because it was... I can see why. It yeah. fucking wasn't... It wasn't... Uh, it wasn't worth it at all. It was fucking horrific. So that's, yeah. And I, she went fucking ape shit once, right? I was 20, I was 21, 22. And I'd come home. I'd got food poisoning. This is what had happened in the end, right? No, no, I hadn't been drinking. I was oh, driving, oh, right? So I hadn't been drinking. And I fucking, I was, I was in the club. Uh, it was a Sunday night. I was like, I'm fucking you go home. I really need to go home. So I fucking come in. I'm no joking. Come in the back door. I think I fucking bundled it out the way up the stairs, but was stumbling because I was trying to go up the stairs yeah. that quick. So she must have thought, he's fucking steaming. So mm-hmm. I, I'm sick all over the bathroom. Oh no. Right? But I'm violently unwell and she's fucking raging because she thinks I'm steaming. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not even drunk. I'm not even drunk. My car's there. And I'm like, she's like, ah, ah. It was fucking every place. Eh? But then, see, when I wasn't there, out of the house or out my bed for four days mm-hmm. 
That was fucking horrible. Absolutely horrible. And that was one she was, I thought she was fucking going to go for me again, yeah. It's only twice she really done me in. She done me in when I was younger as well. Was that when you broke a window playing golf inside? Nah, that was just fun. Okay. Was it when you put Postman Pat in the microwave and started a fire so that your dad would come home? They two, they two are pretty close. The, <laughs> uh, the golf... The golf, this was in the, the multi stories, the multis in Ardor that I, um, yeah, I don't know how that happened. Just fucking swung and it went through the window. The postman part, I had a postman t- part wind up toy. He used to, he used to walk and I just thought, that could probably fucking go in the microwave. That's a great impression. It's a shame people can't see that. I know. That. So I went in the microwave and it fucking went fucking fast. <laughs> and she was going ape shit. It was, uh, yeah, yeah, that happened. That happened. Uh, I used to get, uh, I used to forge a signature all the time on school stuff. Uh, all the time. Yeah. All the time. She used to get a letter. I used to have to take a letter home when I was really bad. So I used to give that to your mum. So I would just sign it and hand it back. Um, the, the best comment I ever got on a behaviour sheet was satisfactory. Wow. Uh, and I was on one of them for four years. Um, I, I had a math teacher in first year who I fucking hated. He was an arsehole. And because I was quite outspoken. Um, no. Uh, he said, so I got in detention. He was like, uh, well, maybe I'll come around and speak to your mum and dad about your behaviour. I was like, mum and dad don't live together, so unlucky. So maybe I'll phone the house and speak to your mum. As she works nights, she'll know that, <laughs> you know? And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so, and, and any time it come around to parents' evening, you have to book an appointment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never, I, they, they went they went once and they got about three appointments and that's when she come home and fucking barred fuck who because it was like, it was a, and they were the best ones I could get. Um, and I woke up in the morning, fucking a bruises right down the side of my face. And uh, I says, what the fuck's going on here? She was like, uh, you fell out of your bed. Punch fuck it, is eh? And my granddad, God rest his fucking soul, what the fucking pull it off us, eh? But by then you can hit your kids. Yeah, it's very different now. <laughs> it's very different. But if sometimes we deserve to be hit, I right, definitely I, did. I, yeah. So that, yeah, they 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 all fucking happened. I mean, <laughs> there's no fucking hiding that. Yeah, they all they are all incidents that happened. Yeah. There we go. That is the man behind the microphone. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode please tell your friends about it and leave a review or a rating. If you didn't, then let's never speak of it again. These are the days.